afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Hope everyone is doing well today. Welcome to another edition of the C Report. And uh, I am your host, uh, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Gossidis. And welcome to another edition of the show, ladies and gentlemen. We are broadcasting it live, as they say, here on this Thursday, June 2nd. 2022. So we are officially into the sixth month of the year, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see exactly how quickly uh, this side of the year goes. Will it go quick? Will it go slow? I don't know. Hmm. In all honesty, I don't feel like the year has moved by so fast, but at the same time, we're already here in the sixth month of the year. So you know what they say, you know, once you hit June, uh, it's all downhill from there. And uh, once you hit about, I don't know, September, October, you've basically uh, crossed the finish line. And uh, it's done, ladies and gentlemen, it's completely over. Anyhow, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Uh, my apologies, heartfelt, ladies and gentlemen, for not getting on the air uh, last night, yesterday, for uh, Wednesday's edition of the Sea Report, managed to hop into uh, the Speak Uneasy's This Is News. Uh, but yeah, the day, let me tell you what, got away from me, working on a lot of things in the background, etc. And, uh, uh, well, you know, I could say rabbit holes, but the rabbit holes were not necessarily that. Uh, we're talking like uh, working on stuff, working on stuff, working on stuff, and then getting to a point where it's like, well, well yeah, I got to start to put the report together. We're already approaching like, uh, we're approaching that hour, right? The deadline. And then, you know, the self doubt, it's like, oh, you know, maybe the report I'm putting together right now is too much to tackle for the time frame I'm working in. So then start working on something else and then start looking at something. And I was like, you know, why are we talking about, I'm not, why am I talking about this? Anyhow, so uh, what today we have, I have prepared for you guys a pretty full report. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a doozy. And uh, just for any of you who are curious of what I've got on the table, because there has been, you know, quite a few things going round and round. The old headlines and uh, news circuits, ladies and gentlemen, uh, will be talking Russia today. So a uh, Russia, 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 ladies and gentlemen, uh, I would say if your um, interest is piqued in any means about uh, Russia and what's going on over there, uh, today is going to be an episode for you. And I think it'll be uh, it'll be a good thing to talk about some of the stuff that is happening, some of the developments, uh, uh, just to keep that kind of top of mind, you know. And also in regards to uh, uh, the whole interplay with these United States of America and uh, how that is going to be of some effect. Uh, I'm sure as some of you all might have caught, uh, you know, uh, dear old sleepy, cranky, pedo, um, creepy uh, Joe, he went ahead and uh, authorized uh, long-range missiles to Ukraine. So uh, what I did is I put together a nice little package of information, again, uh, um, coursing through all of the Western-backed legacy media headlines um, to, again, show exactly to the world, or at least to my audience, the differences between um, what's 
he said and she said, right? Uh, what uh, what um, the Western world is being fed about that special military operation in Ukraine by Russian forces uh, versus what uh, is actually happening over there with that special military operation in Ukraine by Russian forces. Uh, it, 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 we've ha I've had no shortage of stories to share with you guys uh, about what we're being told versus what is more plausibly the reality of the situation. And uh, it, it's, it's very important because uh, it illustrates exactly it illustrates exactly the way the legacy media operates. Now, maybe it's not down to the detail. Maybe it's not the minutia. Uh, maybe it's not um, the entire, how would you say, a battle plan, blueprint, standard operating procedure manual for the legacy press. Uh, but it definitely does give evidence of how uh, they operate and, and blatantly how they lie, I should add blatant evidence of their lies. Uh, and of course, you know, we're going to come up against people who still believe that Putin is the enemy of freedom. Uh, we're going to come up against people who uh, still believe that um, Zelensky is an innocent old actor. Uh, actually, they don't even know that he was an actor. He's an innocent old little president, young little president that um, suits their fancy for their, uh, I don't know, midnight fantasies or whatever. Because uh, that's what it boiled down to. You remember we were uh, sharing that article about, um, oh, it was the article wherein they <laughs> they uh, rediscovered uh, Zelensky's um, previous uh, acting engagements. And that's where the entire uh, stilettos and halter top and leather pants come in. And you know, that's why it was much easier to call uh, Zelensky a prostitute, mm -hmm, because clearly um, he knows how to dress the part and he wears it well, right? Yeah, it, that same article was going on about how everyone was just getting completely Twitterpated over Zelensky, right? Why is it that um, 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 lefties, leftist individuals, just get so aroused by uh, murderous, villainous, lying, the scum of the earth type of people? I don't understand. Why is it that they... Uh, it just, it just, it lights their fire, man. They're like, oh, oh, a serial liar, a war criminal, uh, someone who has no problem committing crimes against humanity. That's my man. Anyhow, uh, well, whatever it is, guys, I just, uh, you know, when did the, uh, when did the love affair with the villain, you know, uh, become a thing? It, it, it is like what mass Stockholm syndrome you know, or well, maybe not necessarily Stockholm Syndrome. I mean, I understand that Zelensky is technically holding the world hostage, you know, by uh, not ending this war in Ukraine, or I should say not abiding by the um, proposals of uh, to end the special military operation, right? Because uh, come to find out, you know, it was Zelensky who just would not back down, you know? Uh, uh, people had told him and talked to him. And even now, guys, um, in, a, in an article and a topic I haven't covered, and I wanted to touch on it today, actually, but I'm not going to be able to because um, I had about a good half or more of the report completed yesterday by the deadline, but um, it wasn't done. 
and um, well, you know, uh, amongst other things that were occurring in the afternoon and evening yesterday. And so uh, when I went to finish putting it together again today, you know, these reports take on a life of their own. And especially whenever news changes, sometimes on the hour, but definitely by the day. And, you know, when it comes to Ukraine and Russia, uh, there's always a fresh set of lies put out by the legacy media, you know, for uh, myself to go through and debunk or to at least um, share the counterpoint so uh, no shortage of that, no shortage of that. And indeed, we'll, we'll touch on some of those things. We're going to touch on some of the topics that the legacy media is using and the globalists are using against Russia in order to vilify them, you know. But like uh, in regards to uh, the, the story I, I'm not going to be sharing today, I'll just mention it, you know, because Zelensky is the one who doesn't want to let it go, right? Uh, you've had uh, countries from Germany to France, you know, who are saying just agree to Putin's, you know, um, to Putin's, um, uh, well, they would say his will, you know, over his invasion and annexation of eastern Ukraine, which is not what it is, you know. You know, uh, they're telling, they're telling, and, and Zelensky's saying something like, no, you know, I will not stop and um, uh, Russia will have to give back the Donbass region to Ukraine. The thing about it is, though, and this is a point that everyone in the legacy in the Western press will miss, is that uh, the Luhansk and the Donetsk, the People's Republic, respectively, of each of those areas um, over there in eastern Ukraine, western Russia, right? Uh, those two People's Republics, those two independent sovereign nations, they are not Putin's to give back. Because they are their own countries, they are their own nations, they are their own sovereign people, um, and, and you know they just have the assist from the Russian military or armed forces or however you want to call it, in order to get those damn Nazis out their land and send them home, packing. You know, uh, it, we've seen examples of this already, guys. You know, we've seen examples of this already. I mean, uh, what, what happened in Kazakhstan just prior to this um, special military operation is enough evidence that should sate the appetites of the individuals who would rather say that Putin was there to take over the land because once he puts in, he does not pull out, right? That's the, that's the running gag, isn't it? Well, we see in Kazakhstan, uh, Putin's armed forces were out of there immediately, you know, uh, as soon as they had assisted the country in securing their um, their land and, and stopping uh, what was um, to be known as um, um, a, regime, a regime change attempt, okay? And that's another topic that I really wanted to get into today as well. Um, but closing the circle on that last thought, um, where Zelensky is saying, nine, 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 I will not give up Ukraine. I will not give up the motherland. I will not allow my Nazis to look like fools. You have individuals like the godfather of the New World Order, right? The godfather of the military, no, not necessarily military industrial complex. New World Order, yet yeah, for sure. Globalist, yeah, godfather of the globalists. You know, the godfather of the globalists is not George Soros, right? George Soros is like, it's going to be World War III. 
World War Three is right at our doorstep if Russia claims Ukraine, right? And because they still believe that Russia was there to totally take over and uh, annex the entire country of Ukraine. And is annexation even the best word to use for that, really? But anyways, uh, that uh, today, Zelensky says, Putin has taken over one-fifth of Ukraine. He, he occupies 20% of the country, you know. Um, whether that is true or not, obviously, obviously, if we're following all the stories and all of the information that has been coming across my desk, which means I've been avidly searching for it uh, throughout the interwebs, um, we know that uh, if... Putin, by way of Zelensky's line of reasoning, has taken over a fifth of the country. Uh, that probably means that those are the areas that are totally demilitarized and totally denazified, because there are still some areas, obviously, where they haven't been able to get rid of those rascally Nazis. And, um, well, you know, I don't know to what end that will go, right? Um, I mean, we've had thousands of Ukrainian armed force soldiers surrender. We've had, uh, we've had a half a dozen Nazi battalions surrender while their, uh, while their commandantes are, uh, safely hiding somewhere in the north of Ukraine, right? Uh, and sending all of their people to die. And there's, there's just massive amounts of documentation, videos, uh, um, interrogation interviews. Interrogation is a really strong word, but you know, they're, they're, how about we call them exit interviews, right? Because these Nazi members and these Ukrainian armed force members um, are basically exiting, right? They're exiting their, um, how would you say, their, uh, their involvement or their forced engagement with Ukraine, because they're spilling the beans, ladies and gentlemen, and there's plenty of that information out there. Unfortunately, I will not be able to share that with you all today. And I know uh, the uh, the doubting audience out there that uh, kind of is a little, you know, critical of these stories because they have not done their own independent research will probably say, aha, what a cop out, Mr. C. You're not going to share with us any of these receipts that you have been, uh, you've been talking about the last uh, 10 minutes. You are going to serve me a steak with no sauce. To which I always reply, I don't need A1 because I take my steaks medium to medium rare. Okay, all right. So no, but yeah, you know, maybe we'll be able to get into it at a point um, because there is just a lot of stuff that I want to share with you guys. Uh, but right now for me, most pressing would be um, the difference between what the Western media is telling us and what the other reports are coming in from around the world. Um, in non-globalist types of nations so we can get an idea of where we're headed. You know, the last time we talked about Russia last week and Ukraine, uh, I, think, I think we painted a picture rather well of the current situation, which, of course, was uh, Russia going back to focus on the Donbass region because that is, after all... I mean, they saved it for last, basically. And they've basically taken it over, right? At least in one of those two sovereign nations that uh, Zelensky thinks Putin has the right to return to Ukraine, right? 
something else has come up in that time now, you know, uh, because after all, the people of the Donbass in the People's Republic of the Donetsk and the People's Republic of the Luhansk, they had a referendum uh, way back about eight years ago, okay, where they decided that they wanted to separate from Ukraine and become their own sovereign nation. And uh, that's exactly when, uh, Zelen- well, not Zelensky at this point, but that's exactly when uh, the nation of Ukraine uh, decided to uh, go ahead and start picking them all off, right? We're going to, uh, we're going to take out all of the Ukrainian people in the Donbass region that don't want to be part of Ukraine. We're going to kill them all. And that's what they've been doing for eight years. But the the um the 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 kicker here is that it was the people of the donbass region okay and those two sovereign nations currently who did not view themselves as ukrainian in fact most of them speak russian right but they didn't want to uh join russia not like what we saw with crimea right where they had a referendum to exit from ukraine and reestablish themselves with russia in the donbass region and the luhansk people's republic and the donetsk people's republic they wanted to be sovereign nations separate from both russia and ukraine but ukraine wasn't going to have it okay so a genocide ensued because it just so happens that the majority of the people over there in the donbass region did not want to be part of ukraine and uh, so if you're going to kill all the people that uh, don't want to be part of Ukraine, you know, it's basically a genocide, right? When like you have a, a large amount of the population, like in Crimea, it was like what, 90 to 98 percent of the population voted to separate from Ukraine and return to Russia. Big numbers, guys. So killing them all, killing them all, killing them all. Um Thousands and thousands and thousands of people being murdered, mercilessly killed by Ukrainian forces. And here's another kicker. Not only was it the Ukrainian forces, not only was it the Nazi battalions who are members of the Ukrainian military, they had, uh, you know, uh, war, war pigs and all of these other people and, and mercenaries and just bloodthirsty, ravenous fools coming in from all over the world in order to assist Ukraine by hire in uh, taking out Russian-backed separatists in the Donbass region. So Russia gets involved and uh, Russia begin because these people, these people support Russia more than they support Ukraine. OK, they support Russia more than they support Ukraine, you know, and now there's uh, going to be a referendum to have these two regions join Russia. That's something entirely different. Uh, Putin released a statement, I think it was today or yesterday, that said, If the people of the Donetsk People's Republic and the Luhansk People's Republic want to join Russia, that option is there. But if they don't, he's not going to force them. So we'll see where that goes, right? We'll see where that goes. Because after all, Russia just gave them a major assist, right? Russia has just given them a major assist. So if you are a crosswise globalist professor somewhere... You will say, this is exactly what Putin had planned. He just went in there saying he was stopping a genocide. Um, uh, Ukraine did not kill thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the Donbass region. And this was the scheme to begin with. Now, I could understand how it could look like that, obviously. 
Uh, but based on uh, everything that I've read, including from reporters and journalists on the ground there in the Donbass, uh, whom have spoken with dozens of people and Ukrainians, oh, 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 Donetskians and Luhanskians in that region, um, they don't want anything to do with Ukraine. So uh, a lot of that will be part of today's discussion. Um, we'll talk a bit about why they don't want to be part of Ukraine, right? Like, what's up with Ukraine? What's so wrong with Ukraine that the people don't want to be part of that country? And then, of course, as well, uh, some of uh, the current headlines and stories that are being force-fed to the West. And we'll take a look at the alternative perspective, which uh, in the time since we've started covering this story, which is basically exactly when it broke out, if not a little bit before, you know, uh, it, it, it is understood that um, the version of reality that is being shared out of Eastern nations, not associated with the globalists, uh, those um, stories and that information has proven to be more accurate and truer than what the West is currently shelling out. Okay, so a lot of information. Hopefully, I'll get a, I'll be able to get around to getting a lot because so many ideas were just flying through my brain. So many things I had to just take out of today's report because it just didn't. It just it prevented a flow of information uh, from coming exactly the way I wanted it to be. Uh, because regime change is really heavily on my mind right now as well. Uh, definitely, that's heavily on my mind. And it would have uh, it would have suited today's conversation had I fewer stories about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine uh, than not. Like, for example, what was the other one? Uh, the, um, the disinformation operation centers in Ukraine, right? Uh, I was listening to um, an interview with... Uh, with the uh, the man who created or who who directed the um, um, Ukraine on Fire uh, documentary, he also did like revealing Ukraine and and the Maidan massacre, uh, which all of those all of those uh, documentaries, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to see them, you can search them or hey, you know you can hop on over to uh, the Sea Report Rumble page and those documentaries are there for you to find as well. If you're over at Foxhole or Pilled, I also have those documentaries available in my archives. So you can check them out there. We did some watch parties for them. Really, really good documentaries. Really, really explain what is going on there with no bias, right? It's just a recorded uh, a document of events, right? And uh, really, really good information. Finally got banned off of Go Ogle and YouTube and Vimeo and all that stuff um, because it was still out there. I mean, th these mo these films came out like in 2016, 17, 18, 19 was the latest, I think. And uh, they finally got around to banning and censoring them when the Ukraine uh, special military operation by Russia began because we cannot let everyone know that there are Nazis in Ukraine. We cannot let everyone know that the United States government and other Western influences have backed regime change in Ukraine and are responsible for sustaining the corruption of that country and nation, right? And also endangering and killing 
all of the innocent citizens of that land. No, we can't let anyone know. So these documentaries have to go. We can't let everyone know that Victoria Newland, uh, she's the one who planned and quarterbacked all of these events. Woman should be behind bars. Woman should definitely um, be serving some sort of time or some, some type of sentence. She should be facing some type of accountability for all of the bloodshed that has come at her hands. Victoria Newland, guys. Victoria Newland. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget the first time I talked about Victoria Newland on the Sea Report. Uh, it was in the context of a leaked phone call between she and uh, former Ukrainian, Ukrainian ambassador Pyatt. Now, this was, uh, this was a very telling phone call because here you had Victoria Newland, undersecretary or something like that in Ukraine, and this uh, um, ambassador Pyatt talking about regime change in Ukraine. This, is, this was just pre-Maidan um, revolution, right? Pre-Maidan revolution. And in that phone call, you know, they're talking about how their guy whom they're going to put into Ukraine, I think it was Yeltsinitsyn or something like that was his name, um, he needed to be advised, his counsel that he needed to seek, uh, you know, um, advice from. Uh, two of them were known not political Nazi leader uh, leaders, like leaders of uh, Nazi political parties in Ukraine. And Pyatt was like, yeah, well, you know, the European Union doesn't really see it our way. And Victoria Newland was like, F the European Union. And uh, some people were like, why are we even listening to this woman? Why is she even on the screen? Who cares about Victoria Newland? I was like, let me tell you something about Victoria Newland. She's the reason all of this is going on in Ukraine. Okay. Not that she was the beginning of it. And uh, she may definitely not be the end of it, but she's the one who orchestrated and masterminds the entire process, okay? The entire process. She laid down the tracks for others to follow. And uh, she's, still, uh, she's still alive and well and uh, bringing down uh, countries and uh, furthering the globalist agenda through regime change in Ukraine, okay? So... Uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you all again for joining us on this Thursday evening. Uh, I'd say there's no telling where tonight's report is going to take us, but we have a pretty good idea. You know, I mean, there's a lot of other news, I guess, that was going on throughout. I mean, so many other rabbit holes. You know, just because I say rabbit holes doesn't mean like I'm talking about woo-woo stuff, okay? <laughs> but a lot of other things to explore uh, hardly had a chance to go through today's headlines, but, um, well, you know, we'll probably get back to that tomorrow, you know, um, if not, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I cannot make any promises about tomorrow, although I would love to talk a little bit more about tonight's topic in other matters, or, you know, maybe, maybe even some other people that we should be paying attention, attention to. But uh, let's get to our President Trump statements for this afternoon. Still got a lot of statements from President Trump to catch up on. Okay, but not so many that will get too far behind. Uh, let's see what the president has to say. First off, uh, he says, does anybody know and does the fake news media report that daily cases of the China virus 
sometimes inaccurately referred to as CV19, are five times greater than it was last year. Wow. If this were on my watch, it would be the biggest story of all time. The Trump administration did a great job re receiving very little credit. The Biden administration did a poor job receiving very good fake news credit. As the saying goes, nothing in life is fair. Oh, President Trump, you keep that chin up, sir. You keep that chin up. Um, a lot of his, uh, his truths, a lot of his statements have had that kind of like, I would not say defeatist at all, but that kind of, it's a different type of tone. Um, like, what was it? The one from that we shared on Tuesday, he was like, what, what did he say? Something like life's not fair. Oh, wait, he just said that right now. <laughs> something along those lines. And I was like, oh, he was, uh, it was like um, uh, something about him doing a terrible, them doing a terrible job or something. Anyhow, 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 that's not the point. The point of the matter is um, uh, maybe using that angle to really, you know, trying to uh, um, encourage <laughs> his followers or something to keep on going. Um, it's true though. I mean, it is, it is the truth. Obviously it is the truth. Obviously um, that statement in itself um, yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, being careful. I don't know if y'all noticed not to say CV-19 because, uh, I have plans for this episode, ladies and gentlemen, and it involves someone's platform that goes by the name of Susan. Uh, some of you guys might know. It took me a while to figure that one out, but, uh, yeah, fake news. Absolutely fake news. That's going to go right in line with today's report. In fact, let's uh, share this truth next. Uh, great reviews for truth, please. The disinformation lunatics are working hard to do damage. It won't work. Too strong and too good, maybe best ever and only getting better. Besides, truth has me and failing, boring Twitter never will. Although they now want to badly spread the word. I'm sure those of you who are on Truth Social are enjoying your time there. Uh, it is nice, you know. Now, does it feel like an echo chamber at the moment? Uh, you know, a little bit, but it's not, for me, it's not a bad echo chamber. Now, an echo chamber specifically would be where you're getting the same message and same story over and over and over and over, like an echo, right? But actually, I'm finding a lot of information and a lot of other news items that I might not have uh, come across. So it, it's more like an information stream for me with a lot of great people there so far. That's not to say that there aren't a couple of trolls already inhabiting, uh, but but what is everyone going to do on the day that some random lefty or progressive or Democrat gets onto Truth Social and they start pushing articles about, I don't know, how great Joe Biden is and how, and how low, you know, uh, um, um, jobless records are, right? What, what was that latest one that I saw? It was like... Um, uh, um, job, job necessity is down 60% or something like that. I was like, okay, okay. Jobless, uh, Americans down 60%. It was like something like the best since like, I don't know, the 1970s or sixties. And I was like, uh, they're including everyone that doesn't have a job that no longer counts for benefits. Right. 
Probably not. Probably not. But yeah, what is, what is everyone going to do when that happens? I, I, I feel pretty bad for that individual. Not that they'll come for him in any type of rude manner, but uh, we'll be bombarded with probably a lot of links and facts in those comments. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So yeah, there you go. Oh, so many ideas from that statement about uh, exactly why Elon Musk was doing uh, Twitter again. <laughs> And there is even a statement or a truth that uh, Trump said about Elon. I thought I included it in this one, but I guess not. A massive surge of illegal immigrants is right now taking place at our southern border. A surge like never seen before and coming in totally unimpeded. Over 100 countries are represented. Our nation is being destroyed. Yeah, another truth. Ladies and gentlemen, another truth. Uh, I mean, it's the re there are a lot of different there are a lot of different truths or statements for me to go through, and I chose uh, the ones in particular because I think they more closely related with um, the topic of the report for this afternoon. Uh, when we're thinking about all of these illegal immigrants coming in and ideas of regime change, ideas of like. Uh, like these terrorists who are coming across the border, right? I mean, like, uh, the the West is satisfied with 30 terrorists coming in to kill George W. Bush. And that's about as far as they will take it. They're to, uh, they're to satisfy and also to, uh, how would you say? To satisfy and also to disarm the real truth about we don't even know how many other terrorists have actually come into the United States of America through the southern border. Never mind, like, all of the terrorists that are probably uh, um, stowaways during the Afghanistan uh, refugee thing here in America. Never mind all the Nazi terrorists who are stowaways with all the Ukrainian refugees who are coming this way. Uh, we're talking about the ones that go undetected at the southern border, right? And also, of course, while our southern border would not require $40 billion to be completed, it might have costed $40 billion to not build the wall by now or not to complete it. Uh, we're more concerned about Ukraine than we are our own nation. Very telling. Very telling. Very telling indeed. So, yeah. Uh, here's another one that has to deal with war and international um, uh, entities. I took in a billion. Uh, I took in billions of dollars from South Korea in order for them, a very wealthy nation, to be paying something for their military protection. Biden just left and did did not ask for anything. They think we are so stupid. Yeah. They think they either think we're so stupid or they believe that we look very stupid uh, or maybe they're like they, they think maybe what they really think is, damn, they're good. Look at what they're doing to their people. Their people don't even realize that they're stripping all of their wealth away. Their people don't even realize that they are being set up to fall. Their people don't even realize that they are being set up to become a socialist communist country. And uh, to lose everything that they once uh, stood for as a nation. Maybe that's what they're really thinking. But yeah, no, I get it. Yes. We don't like to look stupid. Uh, but unfortunately, when we allow a stupid leader to stay in office, who should not be there, 
how else could we look? It's not even because we didn't ask uh, any money from uh, South Korea. It's because uh, we haven't done anything about the obvious uh, uh, coup that took place. I was going to say regime change, right? Well, yeah, it was a successful regime change. It was a successful regime change with a coup that um, transpired back in um, November of 2020. So, yeah, we probably do look very stupid, very stupid indeed to the rest of the world. And uh, those are the Trump truths I have to share with you all this afternoon as we get into our primary topic for this evening, the um, Russia special military operation in Ukraine. How's it going? We're going to keep up with it at this point, uh, especially because it's nearing its end, as far as I can tell. Lasted a whole lot longer than I thought it was going to, than I believed it would be safe to. I think we're approaching 100 days uh, in Ukraine. I think we're approaching 100 days in Ukraine for Russia. And, um, well, that maybe, maybe, maybe Putin will cap it at 100. But really, it it obviously depends on um, what type of progress that they've made in Ukraine, denazifying it and demilitarizing it uh, in order for them to assess when they're going to full on pull out of Ukraine. Hey, this is Speaking Easy. What's going on, sir? Good to see you in the audience. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being alive and loud. Hey, Ohio, Kimmy, popping up there. Good evening. Good afternoon. We're talking Russia, Ukraine today. In case, you, in case you hadn't caught up with it yet, we'll catch you up with it today with the most uh, accurate information at my disposal. Awesome. And thank you for gifting the phone. You are awesome, Kimmy. I appreciate, appreciate you uh, reaching out <laughs> in such a manner. But yes, so the Russia special military operation in Ukraine. Where do we go from here, I think, is the biggest question. I guess it would need to be war-gamed out based on either outcome, right? And I am not even going to think of like a third or a fourth alternative, okay? It's enough of what we got on our plate right now. Uh, Zelensky does not want to let go of this, uh, of the Donbass region, all right? Even though the people don't want it. It's like, it's like a possessive, controlling um, um boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Like they just don't want to let you go. Like they're gonna, they're gonna get you if, if you get away or better yet, or worse yet, if they can't have you, no one can. Uh, it seems to be the way that these Nazis in Ukraine think, right? Uh, hold on to that thought. <laughs> hold on to that thought for a little bit later. Because I tell you, these guys are getting out of control. Not that they aren't already. I mean, uh, what? Uh, Ukrainian armed forces using innocent Ukrainians as hostages and human shields. Uh, destroying their own cities. Shelling and bombing their own infrastructure and, um, and buildings. It's going to be very interesting to see how history reflects on this conflict. And I think um, the... One of the only, like, uh, golden favorito moments for this event, for these occurrences, is the fact that everyone can see it. Everyone knows that Nazis are in Ukraine, okay? Everyone knows. Everyone knows. 
Um, they just chose to forget on February 24th, 2022, when Putin officially began his special military operation in Ukraine. They chose to forget. They were like, Nazis in Ukraine? I did not report on any of this type of a manner for the last five to six years or more on my liberal leftist um, uh, publication or, or, or channel. They forgot about the Nazis. They forgot about the Nazis. Uh, but yes, as, as I said, in our last coverage of this situation, uh, we saw that um, the Russian forces had uh, secured Marpol um, as of stall. And uh, the factory where those last hundreds or dozens or hundreds of uh, Nazi Ukrainian armed force people surrendered. Uh, so that was secured. And uh, they began to exit Marpol and uh, other cities to go and reinforce the Donbass, which they were already over there creating cauldrons to uh, encircle and to defeat the Nazis over there. We covered how the Ukrainian armed forces as hostages, um, they are experiencing humane humane um, types of uh, treatment. You know, they're getting they're getting their their scars dressed, they're getting fed, uh, they're getting meat back on their bones, right? Because some of them were being starved by the Nazis. And, and by that, I mean not the official Nazis in the Ukraine armed forces, but the armed forces who were probably forced to fight, the ones who were not for Russia and who were with Ukraine but didn't want nothing to do with the battle, forced into battle. Do you know how many trannies they had on that wharf? Maybe that's why Ukraine lost. Because they forced the trannies to go to war for them. Ha! Just kidding, guys. I know that was a terrible joke. Beware, America. Beware, right? <laughs> anyways, okay. Anyways, I, I crack myself up. But um, yeah, so all that going on. Okay. And uh, so we have a little bit more information. Now, where are we at today? Okay. The first major thing to, to cover, I would say, is that uh, with this whole event occurring, okay, and, and it's because of NATO, and I, I, I would hope that the world, at least people in this nation, um, are recognizing, because there certainly are a whole lot of other people around the world that recognize that um, NATO is basically the United States de facto willing, uh, you know, globalist entity and army. Okay, entity and army, right? So uh, where goes the will of the globalist? There goes the firearms and the firepower of NATO. Okay, and and they're uh, they're trying to scoop up as many allies as they can. Right now, we have other na we have other nations in the area that are. Uh, quickly trying to become part of NATO or at least sign up for some type of military um, agreement with this globalist corrupt organization. But um, the, the number one thing that has been on the lips of all of these globalists and all of these um, um, fear mongers and all of these individuals who see Putin's special military operation as a complete invasion um, of Ukraine in order to take them over is that uh, we're going to go to World War III, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have an all-out war between Russia and the United States. Like, uh, you know, uh, it's like NATO can drop the curtain, it can drop the veil, and there behind you will see the United States pulling all of the levers. Uh, 
and controlling the situation, just hiding behind it, right? Hiding behind NATO. Um, I don't know why in this mushroom cloud, I see Bozo the Clown. That's besides the point. That was totally random. Sorry, guys. Anyway, so like, uh, for those on the podcast, we're looking at a mushroom cloud between fractured uh, flags of uh, Russia and United States of America. I just see Bozo in the clouds. You know, they say the demons hide in those clouds. Anyways, okay. So, um, yeah, so... (laughs) Like, what the heck are you talking about, Mr. C? So uh, there's that. There's that, right? Uh, So that's been kind of um, a delicate balance, uh, particularly for the Deep State Department, uh, members of NATO, and the current um, illegitimate regime, right? That's why we haven't sent ground troops into Ukraine. That's why no one has, because they don't want it to be an all-out war between specific nations, so they're going to use NATO as a proxy for that. At least the United States of America is. But now, you know, people are probably like, what was illegitimate Joe thinking? Well, of course, they know he wasn't thinking, right? Or he was just being, yeah, no, he wasn't thinking. He was just doing as he was told. And we finally reached that point where illegitimate Joe decides, well, I think I'm going to send some long-range missiles into Ukraine. And you know what his validation for that was, ladies and gentlemen? Talking about, talking about the Ukraine armed forces who write Russian words on their missiles so that when they bomb their own cities, people will, hey, there's a Russian word on that missile. That must have come from Russia, right? Talking about... Ukraine armed forces who use their own citizens as human shields, much like the Nazis did during World War II in Germany, who plant all of their artillery and uh, massive weapons and uh, ammunitions in uh, citizen stronghold areas. That's right. In the city center where all the people are, let's hide all of our missiles and our bombs there. This way, if they want to come and take our ammunitions, they're going to have to kill the citizens to do it. You know, and even talking about this Azovstal uh, chemical refinery place, hundreds of innocent Ukrainians being held hostage there, right? Shooting their own people in the back because they want to take a humanitarian corridor to get away into safety. But yet, somehow, Zelensky twisted illegitimate Joe's arms just enough to where illegitimate Joe says... The only reason why I'm sending these long-range missiles to Ukraine is because Zelensky assured me that he would not use them to uh, blow up property land in Russia. He would not send them into Russia. Ladies and gentlemen, he would not send them into Russia. Just based on everything that I prefaced that comment with, you know using Ukrainians as human shields and hostages and uh, (laughs) destroying their own land and property and infrastructure. I bet. Oh, and lying about it all the while, right? Massacre in Bucha, right? Uh, Train stations blown up in uh, Kramatorsk. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Hospitals bombed in Maripol. Yeah, yeah. All of that was Ukrainian armed forces who did it. All of that. Documented, debunked, fact-checked, on the ground, reported, shared. Of course, it's just the West that does not hear 
this truth and information, okay? But based on all of that, you can rest assured, you can bet your bottom dollar, illegitimate Joe Biden, that uh, Zelensky is not going to... Uh, Zelensky's not going to have an offensive against Russia utilizing the same long-range missiles that you have authorized for their use. Like 40-mile range long long-range missiles. That's a, that's that's being determined, that's being seen as actually an escalation, okay? And would bring the United States into direct conflict with Russia. No longer needing a proxy ghost or entity. No longer needing a proxy globalist, uh, you know, uh, um, um, pact of nations. It's no longer all of the nations. It is now a singular nation. And that would be these United States of America. But it's prophecy, Mr. C. I, you know what? Things change, ladies and gentlemen, things change. Uh, let's see what was said about this entire situation as being reported. Um, let's see here. Where, where is this? I think this is coming from the legacy media. Yeah, this article is coming from the legacy media. Let's see what they got to say about this. Uh, some, something to the effect of uh, Biden making uh, good reason for sending over these missiles and where that's going to leave us. Hey, Putin, we're not there yet. OK, all right, uh, let's check it out. Let's check it out. What's she got to say? Uh, it says a uh, illegitimate Joe made a decision to provide Ukraine with longer range precision rockets unleashed angst in Moscow and applause in Kiev. Uh, but it's not clear yet how much of a difference the advance weapons will make in what has become a stalemated grinding conflict with no clear end game. Now, I am going to pause there in the second sentence of this article to make a declaration, okay? And that is... These people are just damn liars. Okay, so they're saying this is a stalemated grinding conflict with no clear end game, which is an utter lie. Uh, it is a lie that the legacy press, the Western-backed media, has been spreading uh, in order to build morale for those on their side to deceive the world into believing that Russia is making far more advances into Ukraine and has um, definitely has an end game. So that this way, if they should somehow manage to tip the balance of what is occurring over there, well, they can say, well, you know, Russia was already, uh, they were already kind of losing. So, you know, it just makes sense that uh, it helps their story, right? This is information warfare. This is psychological operation. And it's down almost right to mind warfare as well, right? Uh, because they are playing definitely on the beliefs of their people, which, you know, at the start of this, they did the psychological ops, right? Throwing out the propaganda and seeing who it would stick with. By now, and because Putin has taken almost 100 days to get through this, those psychological operations have turned into truths and beliefs and affinities within the souls of those who believe the propaganda and the lies of the Western-backed media so that it is now elevated to mind warfare, 
because it is their belief, after all, that Ukraine is winning and that Russia is losing, right? That's why they say all of these lies about the weakness of Russia and Putin dying and the economy of Russia and, uh, and Russia being responsible for, I don't know, uh, every pandemic and every uh, collapsed economy and every famine and, and even, even supply chain reasons. That is all blamed on. That's why they spread all these lies. They have to vilify and demonize this man and that nation uh, beyond any propaganda they've ever spread in the past because Putin is destroying their game in Ukraine and exposing a lot of it. And we can't have that. So, like I said, legacy media news articles will continue that lie just as sure as uh, they will continue the big lie about November 2020, right? Anyhow, just thought I would just thought I would clarify that for anyone brand new to this information or brand new to this podcast and uh, live stream. Uh, it is. It also remains. The article continues. It also remains to be seen how Russia will respond to the United States move which will once again shift the playing field in the three-month-old war. Uh, special military operation. As the United States, the Kremlin, uh, the Kremlin has increasingly tried to frame its invasion of Ukraine as a proxy war between Washington and Moscow, even though Biden has repeatedly said he would not send American troops to fight in the conflict. Okay, another misstatement. The Kremlin has increasingly tried to frame its invasion of Ukraine as a proxy war. Okay, you know, now, the part that it is a proxy war between Washington and Moscow is accurate. Uh, The inaccuracies are, uh, Kremlin's not necessarily trying to frame them. The Kremlin understands that NATO is controlled by the United States of America. Uh, Another piece of misinformation is that it is not an invasion of Ukraine. They are not trying to take Ukraine and to hold it and inhabit it forever. They merely wanted to get rid of all of the uh, all of the problems that were causing uh, apprehension, death and destruction in the Donbass region. And those problems would be the Nazis and uh, all of the uh, military arms that Ukraine has. Whereas they should be neutral between the West and between Russia, uh, they are not, okay? Because after all, Zelensky was a puppet for them installed. Well, you know, probably not installed. Uh, he, You know, Zelensky was installed in Ukraine, much like illegitimate Joe was installed in these United States of America. It was done by big lies that change elections, that's exactly why. I mean, I've, I've even heard it said that the entire reason why illegitimate Joe did not um, stake a claim in the presidential election of 2020, why he waited so long to make his announcement to run for president was because he could not do it until Zelensky was elected. Because once Zelensky was elected most likely using the same methods of election that they used here in 2020, he could not be sure that the plan would work for him. Isn't that an interesting tidbit of information? Very interesting, isn't it? Uh, Okay, back to the article. 
The Biden administration argues this most recent military aid package will help Kiev target Russian artillery behind the front and give the Ukrainians more leverage when or if negotiations resume, said Daniel DePetris, a fellow at Defense Priorities, a Washington-based think tank that advocates for military restraint. Unfortunately, no negotiations are on the horizon, he said. Neither side is ready to concede anything. Here's a look at four key questions about Biden's latest decision and its potential impact. Shoot and scoot. What's the advantage of the new missiles? The mobile rocket artillery launcher the Pentagon is providing to Ukraine can strike targets from about 40 miles away. Right now, Ukrainian troops are using United States-provided M777 howitzers, which have a range of under 20 miles. Other Western allies have also provided similar howitzers in what has become an artillery duel on the largely open terrain of the eastern Donbass region of Ukraine. Known as high-mobility rocket systems, the new missiles will allow Ukrainian forces to attack deep beyond the front line of the war in eastern Ukraine and compel Russian commanders to move their forces back to avoid attacks. Mounted on a truck with an armored cab for the crew, the system has a pod of six rockets. Once fired, the crew can move the truck quickly to avoid counterattack, a maneuver known as shoot and scoot. And I thought that's just what you did from restaurant to restaurant if you had a bad dinner the night before. The uh, HIMARS launchers uh, can be used to target Russian forces who have massed in relatively confined areas on the Donbass, said Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, a member of the Armed Services Committee who has advocated arming the Ukrainians with increasingly lethal weapons. Uh, so Blumenthal is all about the Nazis, ladies and gentlemen. They widen the zone of threat to Russian forces, Blumenthal said, with uh, salivating as he said so, so they can compel the Russians to withhold their forces, force them back, and to reorient whatever their plans they have to avoid vulnerability. Why is Biden's decision seen as a significant escalation of the United States' role in the war? Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov warned last week that giving Ukraine weapons capable of striking inside Russia's borders would be a serious escalation. On Wednesday, Putin's press secretary accused the United States of deliberately and diligently pouring fuel on the fire. He said the Kremlin does not trust Kiev's assurances that the United States rocket launch system will not be used to attack Russia. The Pentagon and White House have made a point of saying the new rockets supplied do not have a range beyond 40 miles. And in announcing the transfer of the advanced rocket system, Biden made sure to say the U.S. is not trying to topple Putin. Biden saith, as much as I disagree with Mr. Putin and find his actions an outrage, the United States will not try to bring out bring about his ouster in Moscow. Yeah, lion crying hiding Biden strikes again. On Wednesday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken dismissed questions about how Washington could ensure Moscow would not take this as a provocation. Simply put, the best way to avoid escalation is for Russia to stop the aggression. Oh, is that the only way? Is that the only way, Blinken? Is that the only way to stop this uh, military operation? Is that only way to stop escalation? 
That's ridiculous. Blinken is ridiculous. A Blinken also noted the Ukrainians have given assurances they will not use the systems against targets inside Russia and said there's a strong trust bond between Ukraine and the United States. It's called we all are friends of Nazis, if not Nazis ourselves. In fact, the blood of Nazis runs deep in these United States of America's veins. We just never knew about it or recognized it as much as until as we do now. Now, I might add, I, I seem to be recalling uh, a, a few moments ago, me talking about the godfather of the New World Order and the godfather of, uh, of um, the globalists, okay? I wasn't referring, uh, was not referring to Soros. In fact, I mentioned Soros, the godfather of the uh, West, the godfather of the globalists, that is, that is, that is, um, that is uh, Kissinger, ladies and gentlemen, Kissinger, okay? And Kissinger... Um, during uh, the World Economic Forum's most previous uh, roundabout of circle jerking, um, advised world leaders present, globalist world leaders present at that event, that uh, Zelensky needed to knock it off and give the Donbass to Russia. Now, why did Kissinger say such things? Well, unfortunately, we will not be able to cover that tonight. Rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, Kissinger has been waiting on a tab patiently and all of my news stories to share. We'll get to that eventually. But that's a very interesting dynamic if you think about it. Why would Kissinger go directly against Zelensky, NATO, the United States, and uh, Soros and advise that they hand over the Donbass to Russia? And again, I will also submit this fine point. The Donbass is not Putin's to hand over. Let's not forget that, okay? Uh, continuing with this article, will this change the course of the war in Ukraine? Right now, there's a war of attrition, and neither side is winning or losing, says uh, lying Evelyn Farkas, who is spreading propaganda so that this way the world does not recognize that Putin has made far advances and um, Zelensky should have waved the white flag a long time ago. But, you know, another benefit of lying about Russia's advances in Ukraine is that they can continue to supply arms, ammunitions, and weapons to Ukraine as long as the world doesn't realize that he lost a long time ago. And the only reason why he's pulled through is because they keep on sending weapons and money to Ukraine. So that lie can continue, right? It says, but because the United States is now sending Ukraine attack helicopters, tanks, howitzers, and other weapons, Ukrainians should have the opportunity to turn the tide of events or to seize the offensive, says Farkas. Um, who happens to be the director of the McCain Institute of Regime Change and, uh, and, uh, um, um, and, and, and Destruction of the United States Republic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting, guys. I think we'll leave it there. They just go on about how both sides are stalled. That's a lie, okay, um, etc. Okay, they're they're still uh, they're still rooting for it. Um, okay, I, I'm done with this globalist rag for the moment. Done with this globalist rag. That we got what we needed out of it, right? We got what we needed out of it, okay. So we can now move on to the next topic of discussion, which uh, has to deal with the world famine, the impending famine. That is approaching. Uh, 
Uh, please take a gander at uh, this very casual Putin in a field of grain, right? He's in a field of wheat, okay? As I reset my clock, ladies and gentlemen, I'll reset my clock and I'll take a dip into the uh, chat room here, guys, because I see a lot of uh, people have started to populate. Welcome to episode 314 of the Sea Report. We're talking Russia, Ukraine today, guys. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The Sea Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecereport.com. At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com, that's www.thecereport.com and be sure to follow us on our social medias truth social rumble twitch clout hub and pill.net who do we have there besides the speak uneasy ohio kimmy and disco ball chaser well aurelius Locke is in the house good afternoon my friend good to see you um let's see here uh yes sir was a good show bruh oh you're talking about last night's show at the speak and easy it was a fun show it was an interesting show right yeah we just get off topic so much but it's always such a great conversation uh, for those of you over at the podcast uh, who are wondering what the heck are you talking about uh wednesday nights at uh what, 10 p.m central i uh i moonlight over there as someone who knows something <laughs> at uh, the Speak Uneasy channel. If you've never heard about the Speak Uneasy, well, you can find him over at Pilled, Foxhole, and uh, whom else? Uh, Twitch as well, as I believe. And if you still are chained to Facebook and Twitter, I think over there as well. And maybe even YouTube, right? Uh, But let's see here. So yeah, that's on Wednesdays, guys. Wednesday nights. Fun time. Had a good time. I was glad to uh, make an appearance since I was absent throughout the day. Uh, Let's see here. What else? Is your mic backwards too? What else is backwards? (laughs) Are you talking about the Western-backed Legacy Press? I don't know. Do I sound like I'm speaking in reverse? (laughs) Fun stuff. Okay. Awakened Mom, good afternoon. Putin is a bad guy. He's he's done bad things, but this is this this time he's protecting his country. Ukraine's the evil cesspool run by the uh, World Economic Forum. You know, half of that sentence I jive with Awakened Mom, but Awakened Mom, I will I will offer you the same respectful challenge that I offer to anyone who says Putin is evil and Putin is a bad guy. Please cite your examples, and even better yet, cite your sources. Give me some uh, articles that talk about the evils of Putin. Please, Awakened Mom. I would encourage you, uh, if you're going to make a statement like that, and furthermore, if it's going to be a truth of your heart and soul, I respectfully request documentation that shows the evils that Putin has committed. Respectfully, because I can't find them. But all I hear is rhetoric from people that Putin is evil and he's the enemy of humanity in the world and the United States of America. But honestly, Awakened Mom, I have not found 
those articles. I have not yet read about what Putin did in his time with um, what is the uh, the uh, the um, Russian secret service or, you know, the Russian version of the CIA, right? Not the Kremlin. I don't remember what they're called, but I have not I've not yet read how he was a cannibal and he stole state secrets and he betrayed people and he stabbed people in the back and he killed homosexuals. I haven't read any of that during his time with the Russian, uh, you know, CIA. Um, cause I haven't read that part about him yet, but everything that I have read about him since he has been the leader of Russia, I have not been able to find anything to suggest that he is the enemy of humanity and that he is a war criminal. So awaken mom, if you got those articles, please, please, please pass them my way because I would love to read them. Um, let's see here. What else do we got? Respectfully so, I request those articles. Um, let's see here. Uh, all right, you guys, they are paid mercenaries trained by the U.S. Yes, and that is why I think, and Awakened Mom, this is another comment by Awakened Mom, saying they are paid mercenaries trained by the United States, according to the State Department's uh, Secretary Newland. Ah, Newland. Newland, right? That's why we talked about Newland so many months ago. Yeah. Paid mercenaries. We even have we even have United States citizens who are part of these uh, these military firms, right? And and they're mercenaries, and they're over there fighting with the Nazis. And I was kind of like, I wonder how those mercenaries for hire, if they have a soul, if they have a conscience, feel when all of a sudden they're like, you you want us to shoot this Ukrainian person, or you want us to bomb this and shell this city? Wait, what? 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 Do you think they even flinched? Or do you think that money as their god, uh, they were, they were un, unaffected by what they were seeing and experiencing, you know? Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, Putin, uh, Putin, from what I understood, Putin told Biden, you rule nothing. And that's how that conversation ended. <laughs> Um, before Kissinger, there was Harriman and Lovett. They set the stage and Kissinger was the front man. Ooh, good to know, Aurelius. Thank you. See, this audience is a wealth of information. Uh, the commies are out in full force, says Ohio Kimmy. They are, they are not hiding anymore. Yep. I stay open, patriots. Ohio Kimmy advises that is 100% true. They are just... They don't even try to hide anymore. Uh, Mr. C, did you see Klaus Schwab's face as Kissinger was speaking? I did not. No, I read the article. I did not see it. But can you imagine? Can you imagine, right? Just like he was threatening Brazil because they, would, uh, they said they would get out of the WHO if the amendments pass. Severe backlash. The World Economic Forum and all its globalist minions and Klaus Schwab experienced because of those amendments, right? And there's a deeper discussion there, guys. There's a deeper discussion about those um, international health regulation amendments that Biden offered to the World Health Organization, a much deeper discussion. Um, let's see here. We definitely need to do a show on Brown Brothers, Harriman, Bush, and Lovett. Ooh, that sounds interesting. And this is all outside of my, uh, outside of my, uh, wheelhouse. Definitely something I need to dig into. A rabbit hole worth falling down. 
you might ask? All right, guys. Our winter wheat will be ready for harvest in July, says Ohio Kimmy. In Ohio. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. KGB, thank you. That's what it is. KGB. And Ohio Kimmy says, ask a Russian, they would know. Uh, you know, that could be very well true. I mean, I know people... I know one person from Russia that does not like Putin. And when I asked them why, they did not want to get into it. Um, okay, cool, 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 cool. All right, guys. Ah, yeah, it's always great dipping into the, um, into the, the um, chat rooms. Uh, Awakened Mom says, I mean that the American media is telling us all of the bad things. My Russian friends say that he is a leader that is hard. Maybe evil, uh, maybe evil is a strong word. I trust Putin over Biden. I do too, you know, but, you know, and Awaken Mom, that was with all due respect. The only reason why I say that is because, you know, we hear it based on what the media says that Putin is the enemy of humanity. Putin is a war criminal, a backstabber. He drinks the blood of children. It's almost as if though they were projecting all of the sins of the West on Putin, right? And that's their MO. I mean, that's how they operate. But, you know, since I started digging into this entire Russia-Putin thing, which actually occurred before he invaded... Ha! Ah, there I go. Speaking like a Western, Western-backed legacy press. Before he began his special military operation in Ukraine. You know, um, I was uh, focused on that because of, um, of the Kazakhstan um, um, attempted coup, Right. That's where I started to focus in on it. But prior to focusing in on that, my understanding was this. Putin opposes the globalist central banks. Putin opposes the globalist New World Order. And the history of Russia shows that any globalist, satanic, baby-eating, sacrificing, human-sacrificing culture that has existed on this planet has been opposed by the forces of Russia and in that region. And they suffered a bloody revolution at the hands of communist Bolsheviks because that was their way at getting back at Russia. And Russia has always been, unless convenient, has always been the enemy of the globalists until they had, you know, their own who, Stalin in there, whom they assisted in um, climbing to power through the Bolshevik Revolution into Russia, turning them communist, killing all the Russian people, putting them under a whole decade's reign of, of death and destruction at the hands of the communists, the friends, if not the creation of the globalists. That's been my understanding historically of Russia. So when I started uh, really getting into Putin's role in Russia, and you know, a lot of this was unveiled when I um, shared with you guys the Putin interviews with um, Oliver Stone if you're over there on Foxhole or on Pilled, you can look in our archives. I have all four documentaries of the Putin interviews there. If you're not, you can check it out on Rumble. I have it there as well. Or just, or just search for it, the Putin interviews, right? And learned a lot about Russia that seems to be a misunderstanding or perhaps intentional mis- or disinformation about the Russian culture and the leadership of Putin.
And when I watched those interviews, I was like, this is not a leader that's lying. This is not a leader who just wants the best for Russia and to take over the world and just to destroy other dominant nations on this planet because he wants to be the alpha nation. No, that's not what I got from watching those documentaries and that interview. So that's when I get kind of like, please show me the articles, show me the history, show me the documents that paint Putin to be that which our Western-backed propaganda media has successfully painted of this man. And no one, no one can provide that documentation other than to recite the propaganda vomit of the Western-backed press, who says, he is an enemy of humanity, and he is um, is one to uh, to not side with. And it all boils back down to that ancient history of his destruction of these communist, bloodthirsty, satanic individuals. It all stems back from there, guys. All of it, and that's that's the perspective I take on my worldview when I consider. Because I don't know any of these things. I don't know any of these nations from Jack. I don't know their geopolitical stance from Jack. But if I rely on who's opposing the globalists, I often find the right path. That's how I've been able to say and share all of my points of view on the fly with anything geopolitical. From Brazil and Bolsonaro to, uh, you know, the, the um, alternative party for Germany to Marie Le Pen. But there's a deeper story there with that woman, honestly than what we're being led on to, to Russia, okay? And that's how I make my decisions. Do they oppose the globalists? Then I need to go with their version of reality because most likely that's the one that's more accurate. Now, let's get into another lie that the Western-backed media is sharing about Putin. In saying that he is responsible for the oncoming famine, he is responsible for the rise in uh, food uh, prices and the cause of food shortages, for food shortages. And, you know, I guess on a technicality, if you're on the side of Ukraine, you could partially say that is true. Uh, because, of course, they're not going to look at the, re the root cause for Putin going into Ukraine. And that was to stop the genocide of uh, people and two sovereign nations. And also, you know, why not just take out the Nazis while we're at it? Okay, that's the root cause. But the technical cause would be that Russia went into Ukraine. Okay, so without getting to the root, we'll just look at the uh, surface level. And a leftist Ukrainian supporter is technically correct about the cause of this famine. Now, if you want to move past all that and you want to get uh, into the fallout of, uh, of this uh, special military operation, well, then we have to talk about the sanctions, right? We have to talk about the sanctions. But just for hoots and hollers, here's what the... Oh, this is what the West sees. They're all, look at that Putin. He just smiles so connivingly, so evilly, so with such satisfaction as he, he steals grain from Ukraine he uh, prevents the world from getting food. He causes a famine. Look at this evil man. He is just beside himself with glee, knowing that he is bringing down the world because he's too stubborn to let go of Ukraine, right? He has to go and take over another region. Uh, sorry, that is, the <laughs> that is the face that they see. Putin, why'd you have to smile like that? <laughs> Anyways, four hoots and hollers. Uh, the vernacular would be shits and giggles. Let's see what the Western... 
there. Putin guarding his grain. Oh my goodness. How many photos of Putin and grain do I have here? <laughs> Let's take a look at what the Western-backed propagandist media is telling the world about Russia and the uh, upcoming um, famine that is going to occur because of him. Russia denies it's blocking Ukrainian grain exports. Okay. Now here's what they have to say. Russian military forces are not blocking grain shipments from Ukraine, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said on Wednesday, as quoted by Interfax. He said, uh, let's not forget Interfax is also the same news agency wherein everyone got this whole thing about Ukraine having uh, arrest warrants out for Biden. Yeah, that's where that misinformation spawned from. He said the ports have been mined by the Ukrainian military, which prevents ships from going out to sea, which is... (laughs) It's actually something else. According to the official, Moscow is willing to find ways for Ukraine to resume the shipment of grain from its Black Sea ports, though a final agreement has not been reached. Peskov added that the issues, uh, issue has been discussed with Turkey as well as several other states. And in fact, all the heads of state and governments with whom there have been con- conversations recently, as well as U- United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres, Uh, received detailed explanations from President Vladimir Putin that Russia does not interfere with the export of grain. Peskov said uh, the world could be on the verge of a major food crisis due to decisions being taken by Ukrainian authorities as well as the illegal restrictions imposed on Russia by Western countries. This is not the article I wanted to share with you. In fact, this is the counter article I wanted to share with you guys. Where is my Western-backed article filled with lies and propaganda? That's what I want to know. Oh, this is it. What the heck? Okay, hold on. Let me pop out of immersive. Is that what's going on here? Is it because we're in immersive? Speak to me. Uh, Let's see here. Why do I not have my article? Okay, let me do... Hmm... I'm confused. Uh, Give me just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. We will take care of this. We will take care of this. It's either lost in here somewhere or... Where did you go? Where did you go? Here, guys, stare at Putin for a minute, okay? (laughs) It is... uh, Let's see here. I think I know what I did. Let me... um... Go over here. I, I We just have to know their lies, ladies and gentlemen. We just have to know their lies. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to find this article if it's the last thing I do. Mm, let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see here. You're here somewhere. Thank goodness I still had the source site for it here. And uh, here we go. This is the one. Here's the article. All right, guys. Sorry for that brief hiccup. Shall we continue? Okay. So this is the Globalist's article right here. This is the Legacy Press uh, International propaganda. 
Putin intends to starve the world unless demands are met while Russia hoards grain. Sounds much more like them, doesn't it? Okay, sounds much more like them. Okay, the article goes this way. Russia has stated that it is willing to allow grain to leave Ukrainian Black Sea ports in exchange for the lifting of sanctions imposed on Moscow as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Okay, so this is the only way they're going to do it is that you have to lift the sanctions, according to this article. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Andrei Rudenko made the remarks in response to concerns that Russia's blockade of Ukrainian ports could lead to global starvation as accusations mount that Vladimir Putin is using food as a weapon in his invasion. Ukraine is a major exporter of corn and sunflower oil, and it supplies nearly a third of the world's wheat and barley along with Russia. Around 20 million tons of grain remain stranded at Black Sea ports, prompting Western countries to propose safe corridors for food exports, which would require Russian permission. According to the news agency Interfax, Rudenko said on Wednesday that Moscow was open to the idea, but that the solution to the food problem requires a comprehensive approach. This included requiring Ukraine to clear all ports where ships are docked, resolving insurance issues and allowing Russian ships to dock in European ports and vice versa. He stated Russia is ready to provide the necessary humanitarian passage as it does every day. Okay, now keep in mind that the uh, statements by Russian officials, leaders, etc., they are strikingly consistent. Okay, their statements are strikingly consistent. What's going on here is omission. Okay, and also uh, the curving of the meaning, right? of what the Russians are saying to the benefit of the propaganda that is being spread to the West. Okay, now keep that in mind because you'll see. Now, Rudenko also went after European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, von der Leyen, right, Uh, who had accused Russia of hoarding its own food exports as a form of blackmail and of using hunger and grain to wield power in her remarks in Davos on Tuesday. We are always ready for dialogue with anyone who seeks a peaceful resolution of all problems, Rudenko said on Wednesday, adding, I leave Ursula von der Leyen's statements on her conscience. Strikingly consistent, the Russian statements are. Rudenko's position is similar to that of former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev, who linked the passage of food from Ukraine to the lifting of sanctions that have isolated Moscow since the February 24 invasion or special military operation of Ukraine. Okay, keep the sanctions in mind. Now, Russia is saying we will allow grain to flow freely if you lift the sanctions. That is an honest and consistent statement. Okay, now. Last week, Medvedev, the deputy chairman of Russia's Security Council, wrote on his Telegram social media channel that allowing food to leave Ukrainian ports would come with conditions. All right. Gotta wonder who his side he's on. Countries that import our wheat and other food products will face significant challenges without Russian supplies, he said, adding that Russia expects assistance from trading partners, including on international platforms. Otherwise, it appears illogical. On the one hand, insane sanctions are being imposed against us, while on the other hand, they are demanding food supplies. Russia sta- And that is insane. That is insane if you understand the sanctions, okay? Russia's statement that it is willing to allow food exports from Ukraine if the conditions are right come amid a Kremlin-backed television narrative 
warning of food shortages for those who oppose Russia. Now, you got to wonder who is creating those Kremlin-backed television narratives, right? You got to wonder. Political scientist Dmitry uh, Egorchenkov said on Russia One's 60 Minutes that countries with normal relations with Russia, not even friendly, but just normal, will not go hungry. Okay? So, again, not even friendly, okay, will not go hungry. Normal relations with Russia will not go hungry. Okay, so that's your Western-backed article, okay? Now, just to refresh you guys with a non-Western-backed article, Russia denies it's blocking Ukrainian grain exports. Let's re, uh, let's resuscitate this. Russian military forces are not blocking grain shipments from Ukraine. Again, this is another spokesman for the Kremlin, Dmitry Peskov. Um, and uh, it says here, uh, the ports have been mined by Ukrainian, milita- Ukrainian military, which prevents the ships from going to sea. So what they're saying is there are water mines out there, and so they can't move forward. Okay, that's what they're saying. According to the official, Moscow is willing to find ways for Ukraine to resume the shipment of grain from its Black Sea ports, though a final agreement has not yet been reached. It might have something to do with those sanctions, I'll tell you. Okay, Uh, so uh, we can skip the rest of that because we already went through it. I don't want to uh, bore you guys too much with a repeat here. Uh, but it says here again, Peskov said the world could be on the verge of a major food crisis due to the decisions being taken by Ukrainian authorities, as well as the illegal restrictions, the sanctions that are being imposed on them. Okay, so why do you guys think that the West can run away with lies about Russia saying you have to lift the sanctions and yet it's true? It's like a switch of hand here. You know why? <laughs> Because it is what the sanctions, the sanctions are what is actually blocking the food besides the landmines in the water, right? Here's a brief explanation from a non-Western-backed news agency. Russia explains why its grains cannot get to the European Union or the world. Russian grain exports can't get to Europe because the sanctions imposed by the European Union on Moscow effectively block supplies. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov explained on Wednesday. He says, although Western countries keep saying that grain has not been sanctioned, grain has not been sanctioned, they for some reason fail to mention that the ships that transport Russian grain are in fact under sanctions. (laughs) European ports do not allow them in. There's no insurance available and in general Western sanctions Uh, And in general, Western sanctions have disrupted the logistical and financial infrastructure that Russia uses to export its own grain. You can't ship it if the ships can't pass. The European Union banned Russian vessels from entering its ports as part of the fifth package of sanctions adopted in April. Lavrov's comments follow accusations from Western nations that Russia is blocking Ukrainian ports, on the Black Sea, something that Moscow has denied. According to Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov, Ukraine has blocked its own ports by laying mines that prevent ships from going out to sea. Now, why would Ukraine do that to itself? Well, I don't know. I mean, with these Nazis, they seem to be fond of self-inflicted wounds. I mean, if every nation in the world were represented as a child in high school, 
Ukraine would be the one that goes to school with slasher marks on their wrist that don't even cut the right way. They just want attention, okay? They just want someone to be on their side. And that's what this seems, this seems to be exact. I believe the Russians about Ukraine putting landmines in their own sea because that truth is more accurate than the reverse based on everything that we've seen with this, uh, with their actions during this military um, operation. Uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said last week that the situation with the global threat to grain, grain supplies had become alarming for developing countries. The UN official also said the conflict in Ukraine and the resulting sanctions on Russia affected the prices and availability of food fertilizers, and these factors combined were propelling the cost of wheat, which could worsen the food crisis globally. Together, Russia and Ukraine export more than a quarter of the world's wheat. And again, if they care to look at the root cause of all of this, could have been, you know, a NATO making advances in Ukraine, uh, could have been the genocide happening in the Donbass, uh, could have been any of that stuff. The history of Nazi relations in uh, Ukraine. But no one wants to look at that. They just want to look at Russia is inside of Ukraine, defiling it, apparently, ladies and gentlemen apparently okay all right let's move on to our next uh story here we have a sixth round of sanctions going up against russia and this one is going to uh cut off oil to the european union and you know what they're gonna say it's because of russia and ukraine that uh there's no energy in europe and they're going to blame everyone dying uh, for a lack of energy. And you know everything that that's going to cause on Russia. I could hear it now, right? Well, if it hadn't been for Putin, Europe would not be dying for a lack of heat and uh, everything else that energy provides for them. I can hear it now, right? Here's the sixth package, newly released, freshly off the press today. A uh, sixth package of European Union sanctions includes restrictions on Russian oil delivered by sea, French mission. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, the Department of Energy said Friday it's considering buying 5 million barrels of oil for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which they emptied, right? Oh, stupid. In a move that could signal a government plan to bolster an industry suffering from collapsing prices. The sixth package of sanctions against Russia includes a ban on the purchase of Russian oil delivered by sea. The French presidency to the Council of the European Union announced... This ban combined with state-level decisions taken by Germany and Poland will reduce Russian oil imports by 92% by the end of the year, the presidency's official Twitter account tweeted Thursday. It will be complemented in the near future by a ban on the import of Russian oil by pipeline, the presidency promised, confirming that the new restrictions have been signed off on by bloc members. The, the mission indicated that the sanctions package will be adopted by the council by written procedure and the, that the details on the restrictions would be published in full on Friday in the European Union's official journal. Along with the maritime oil ban, the restrictions are said to include additional sanctions on the export of high-tech goods and chemicals to Russia and additional restrictions on Russian banks' ability to use the SWIFT banking system. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really going to get them, right? It's gotten, it's gotten them so far, right? Including uh, by Suburbank, the country's largest bank. They have their own system. 
which actually dozens of other nations on this globe use as well. This is not going to hurt them in the slightest. And I guess um, I guess not being able to export goods, high-tech goods to uh, Russia means that um, I guess Elon Musk is not going to be able to uh, sell any more of his uh, Starlink satellites to them either. Okay. Who is this going to hurt? Really? I wonder. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. He sold them to Ukraine, not Russia. My bad. I got confused. Never mind. Okay. An unnamed Belarusian bank is also said to have been targeted. The sanctions also ban the provisions of services by European Union companies to the Russian oil sector, ban the provision of consultancy services to Russian companies, and ban three Russian media outlets in spreading propaganda. Oh, this is really going to hurt Russia. Is really going to hurt Russia. I'm sure that Russia really wants to consult with the enemy, right, for their own companies. I'm sure. The mission did not specify which media outlets it was referring to. Russian foreign language media, including Sputnik and RT, are already effectively banned across the European Union, which blocked their websites in March. The Russian foreign ministry responded to the media ban later in the day Thursday, promising that new restrictions on three Russian television channels would not be left without a response from Moscow. The French mission also indicated that the restrictions would target members of the Russian security and military apparatus linked to the Bucha massacre. Okay, I mean, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and uh, continue this make-believe story. Entities in the industrial and technological sectors linked to Russian aggression, oligarchs, and Russian propaganda actors and members of their families. Without providing any additional details. Commenting on the new restrictions, Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak warned that ordinary European consumers would be the ones to suffer from Brussels' economic short-sightedness. The decisions that the European Union makes are, of course, motivated by political politics more than anything, and not at all by economics, because European consumers will be the ones to suffer first and foremost as a result of these decisions. We see an increase in prices, not only for oil, but also for oil products. I don't rule out a large shortage of oil products in the European Union, Novak said, speaking to Russia24, a federal TV news channel on Thursday. Sanctions tracking service uh, Castellum AI estimates that the U.S. and its European, Canadian, and Asian allies have slapped more than 7,800 new restrictions on Russia since, its since it recognized the Donbass republics as sovereign nations and kicked off its military operation in Ukraine. Um, let's see here. Over... Uh, 2,750 sanctions have been introduced since 2014, when the crisis in Russia-West relations began following the February 24th Euromaidan coup. Russian officials have taken a series of measures to try to take the sting out of the West's restrictions, pricing gas sales to unfriendly countries in rubles, the, thus reversing the ruble's collapse against the dollar and the euro ramping up import uh, substitution programs and making new deals with countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America, which have broadly refused to join the U.S. and its allies in putting the squeeze on Moscow. Okay, so new sanctions, guys, new sanctions. Uh, oil, you know, you really have to wonder who's shooting who here, because it really seems like um, Europe is shooting themselves in the foot. Six package of sanctions against Russia will be self-destructive for the European Union. Again, they're the uh, they're the uh, 
the self-slashing students that just want attention in high school, it seems. They're throwing a temper tantrum. They're throwing a fit, right? They're like, if you don't do what we want, I'm going to kill myself, right? The sixth package of sanctions against Russia will have a self-destructive effect for the European Union, the Russian Foreign Ministry said in a statement issued on Thursday following the new anti-Russian steps of the European Union. Obviously, the main components of the next package of anti-Russian unilateral restrictions agreed under the slogan of combating dependence on Russia will have a self-destructive effect for the European Union. No wonder it took Brussels almost a month to force member countries to this decisive dis demonstration of solidarity, the document says. The foreign ministry noted that a partial rejection of Russian oil as well as a ban on insurance of Russian merchant, merchant ships would trigger further price increases, destabilizing energy markets and disrupt supply chains. The next obstacles in the way of Russian goods will in particular affect supplies of agricultural products. Ultimately, such actions will achieve the opposite result. They will undermine the economy and energy security of the European Union, accelerate the impending global food crisis, which Brussels verbally seeks to prevent, the foreign ministry stated. The ministry stresses that Moscow will adequately withstand the consequences of the European Union unilateral restrictive measures and remain a reliable trading partner in the international arena. The entire responsibility for the risks of exacerbation of global food and energy issues provoked by the illegitimate actions of the European Union will lie solely with Brussels and its political sponsors in Washington, the document states. The entire responsibility for the risks... Oh, I just said that. The results of the uh, extraordinary EU summit in Brussels on May 30th through the 31st, 2022, became another evidence of the denigration of this integration association into a tool to contain Russia in line with the geopolitical guidelines of the United States and NATO. The European Union is finally losing its independence and the peaceful, unifying pan-European agenda that the founding fathers of United Europe invested in. Yeah, it's kind of like hes uh, they're mocking them, really. And uh, that was the summation of the Russian uh, foreign ministry. So promises to Kiev. Moscow pointed at the fact that on May 30th, European Union leaders again did not say a word about the scenario for a peacefully negotiated settlement of the situation in Ukraine which was blocked by Kiev. On the contrary, the European Union is purposefully pushing Kiev closer and closer to the brink of the abyss, says the statement. If the European Union supports its Kiev militant ambitions with vague promises of European Union integration, the supply of lethal weapons and promises of money, including foreign money, which Brussels is not averse to confiscate from Russia, and think about how to do this while hushing up the heinous war crimes committed daily by Ukrainian neo-Nazi fighters and their torture of civilians. Oh, it supports Kiev, not if. And uh, repression against mass media. In its statement, the Russian Foreign Ministry also stresses that repressions against Russian journalists and media in the European Union countries are yet another example of double standards. 
Um, the statement goes on to say a new ban on the broadcasting of three more Russian TV channels has been approved. This, unfortunately, has already become the norm for the beacon of democracy and pluralism. In other words, the Western information space is finally being declared of dissent, cleared of dissent and signs of freedom of speech. Moscow stated that the unlawful unilateral restrictions of Brussels are not only futile, but also harm primarily the residents of the European Union countries themselves, aggravating their already difficult socioeconomic situation. In this sanction, the EU calls for third countries to support anti-Russian sanctions, regardless of the interests of their population. Sound frankly cynical. On Monday, EU heads of state and government approved this sixth package of sanctions against Russia. So it seems like uh, it's not well thought out and uh, rather desperate, ladies and gentlemen. Rather thought out and desperate. We'll have to see where that goes for them. We'll have to see where that goes, honestly. Awakened Mom says, screw Europe. They have relied on the U.S. for their survival for decades. They need to put their big boy pants on and do things on their own. Yep, you're right. And it's funny because this move that they're making through the sanctions package is happening under the pressure of NATO and crying little Zelensky, which means it's the perfect example of how they are no longer sovereign, not even the European Union is sovereign. Apparently now they are at the total control and behest of NATO, which is the United States of America, which let's just face it, guys. I mean, that's a, that's a rather big picture. I don't know how easy it will be for people to swallow when they realize that that's really what that means. Okay. Now, through all of these sanctions, and we're already on the sixth package. Sorry, guys, we skipped uh, two through five. Didn't even know that stuff was going on, right? Um, uh, it's all been about this, the financial crisis and collapse of Russia. That's what has been, that's what has been suggested. That's what's being touted. That's what the world is saying. I mean, that's what, that's what they're trying to, um, convince people like Americans is happening because of the sanctions. So this way it looks like they're actually being effective against Russia. It's all about keeping that morale high, Right for the West so that they can continue supplying Ukraine with, um, with uh, weapons and they can continue this war. It's their war. It's Putin's special military operation. It's their war, okay? They can continue doing it. Hey, Sean Joe, thanks for the cookie. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, sir. Anyhow, so... And, um, oh, Awaken Mom, that comment you made before the screw, a screw Europe comment. We'll be touching on that in this report as we move forward. Okay, so let's just get through the lies of the West. Okay, here's what they say. Russia moved closer to a default after the United States Treasury let a key sanction exemption expire. Ooh. The end of the carve out means U.S. investors are not allowed to receive payments from Moscow. Ooh. This is, the, this is the name of the game from the legacy media, right? Name of the game, the name of the sanctions. The chances of Russia tumbling into a default rose after the U.S. Treasury ended a key sanctions exemption, prompting Moscow to say it would pay its debts in rubles. 
The Treasury decided in February to allow Russian sovereign bond payments to reach U.S. investors despite the tough sanctions slapped on Moscow. But the Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control said Tuesday night it would let the exemption expire. It means the U.S. investors will not be allowed to receive bond payments from Russia without breaching sanctions. The move further complicates Russia's efforts to pay its foreign debts. Oh, really? Moscow has so far kept up payments on its foreign currency-denominated bonds, despite the U.S. in April barring the government from using money held at American banks. In response to the exemption's expiry, Russia's finance ministry said it would start to pay its debts in rubles and argued that the U.S. is trying to force an artificial default. Some of Russia's foreign currency bonds allow payments in rubles, but many do not. Investors have taken the view that payment in rubles would be a default if it is not allowed within the contract. Oh, so technically speaking, they're defaulting, right? Technically speaking. Russia is scheduled to make bond coupon payments of 29 million euros, $31 million American, and $71 million on May 27th. It has already transferred some of the money in anticipation of the, of the U.S. exemption expiring. The euro payment can be made in dollars, British pounds, Swiss francs, or Russian rubles, according to the contracts. The dollar payment can be made in euros, pounds, or francs. So, right, this is the, yeah, Russia is imminently going to collapse their economy, sanction, sanction, sanctions. Biden is just so smart. He's just hurt Russia so bad. But uh, then the world reads this article. Uh, let's see how bad the economy is in Russia, okay? Because I read that um, Putin is like increasing wages and um, increasing benefits by 10% to the people of Russia. And that's because of inflation. How can a stagnant or dying economy do such things if what the West is telling us is true? Check this one out. Russian ruble tops global currencies in 2022 despite Ukraine war and sanctions. So it's like, what is really going on over here? And uh, what kind of lies am I believing from the West, from the legacy media, from the mainstream media, from uh, CNN, MSDNC, Fox News, all of them? The Russian ruble has turned into the top performing currency in global financial markets despite Moscow facing a bombardment of crippling economic sanctions and financial restrictions. Year to date, the ruble has strengthened by about 14% against the U.S. dollar. By comparison, the U.S. dollar index, which gauges the greenback against a basket of currencies, has advanced by roughly 6%. And that's probably also artificially uh, inflated and manipulated, right? Following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, their special military operation, the currency had cratered to pennies on the dollar. But after a series of fiscal and monetary policy interventions, the ruble recovered and is now performing better than the Brazilian real, the Uruguayan, Uruguayan peso, and the Mexican peso this year. Since mid-March, when, it's, uh, when it bottomed out against the U.S. dollar, the ruble has appreciated by more than 115%. But the ruble's rally took a breather on May 26th after the country's central bank pulled the trigger on its third cut to interest rates in a little more than a month. Yeah, they're also cutting their interest rates, guys. 
This, um, the Central Bank of Russia reduced its benchmark rate from 14% to 11%, making it less attractive to hold rubles. The decision was higher than economists' expectations of two percentage points. Overall, the institution has executed 900 basis points worth of easing since the beginning of April. Elvira Nibalina, head of the central bank, revealed that she thinks more rate cuts could happen at future meetings, saying that the coming quarters won't be easy. Moscow has seen encouraging signs in the latest inflation data, enabling the institution to unwind its aggressive policy tightening. The monthly consumer inflation rate rose by 1.6% in April, down from the 7.6% month over month spike in March. The producer price index uh, climbed by 6.3% month over month compared to the 5.9% increase in March. Officials have also been trying to uh, decelerate the ruble's immense gains by loosening capital controls, but these efforts have so far been unable to achieve this objective. At the beginning of the military conflict, Russia undertook a series of measures to support the ruble, including capital controls that prevented asset sales, gold purchases after a two-year hiatus, and forcing companies to buy rubles. Uh, now that the ruble is one of the top performing currencies, Russian officials might have done too much to stabilize the currency. Typically, a stronger currency is good for an economy since it can help fight inflation and enhance the nation's purchasing power, making it cheaper to purchase foreign goods. However, because Russia is mostly barred from international commerce, Moscow can hardly buy anything from advanced economies. Market analysts are unsure if this strategy will be enough to slow down the ruble's acceleration, since much of the currency's movement is now dependent on the trade balance. A rising ruble can also put a dent in the Kremlin's budget, trimming the value of its oil and gas tax revenues that are priced in U.S. dollars. Russia is enduring growing financial pressures at home as well, such as the ballooning costs of the war in Ukraine and increasingly expensive social programs. Although the international community has censored President Vladimir Putin and his government, Moscow is still supplying several foreign markets with its energy products. In April, um, Russian crude oil exports rose by 2%, totaling about 4.8 million barrels per day. This year, Russia has been bolstering trade with China and India in response to the European Union's oil embargo, which experts project could decrease the country's exports by uh, 20%. Uh, it says here, global financial markets will be monitoring Russia's debt obligations now that the U.S. government has closed a loophole and sanctions that enabled foreign payments in dollars. Moscow could once again be on the brink of default. Of course. Of course. All right. So we'll close that article there, guys, on the Russian ruble. It's just interesting to note, you know, um, because apparently what we were seeing is that, like, since, I don't know, maybe 2014, right? Since uh, the United States and the West started imposing all of these sanctions on Russia, uh, Putin has been preparing for this type of uh, backlash for his excursion into uh, denazifying Ukraine. You know, whoops, I forgot to put that on there. Russian ruble tops global currencies. Excellent stuff. Okay, so I think I have one more main headline that features... Um, you know, the, uh, the evilness, right? The, the, the humanitarian enemy that is Putin. 
that is being again shared across the Western-backed media, globalist headlines, etc. But for that, ladies and gentlemen, for you to truly understand the severity of this headline, you must first stare into the eyes of Putin. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener-supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash Report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm/theseareport. And thanks y'all. All right. What's going on, the Patriot 1776? How you doing tonight? What do you think about Putin's eyeballs there, huh? A Wicked Mom says Russia is not going to collapse. They are now a self-sufficient nation. They don't need support. That, my lady, is a true statement if you ask me. And even though I don't know the ins and outs and all of the in-betweens about economics and geo-whatever and Russia, you know, uh, pretty sure that uh, that's a true statement. At least that's what my gut tells me, Right. Uh, let's see here. So what is this next legacy media, Western-backed media, propaganda media lie? Um, it, it's probably something that ne- has to do with heartstrings, right? You know that when, it, it, when you get down to it, you're not going to get anywhere in life if you don't lie about the children, right? And um, Zelensky released a statement today, I believe, that... Putin had forcibly stolen 200,000 kids from Ukraine. In fact, not only was it that, it, that Putin, in fact, had um, kidnapped hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians and taken them to Russia against their will. Okay, that's what Zelensky's going with. That's what's up with these, uh, these um I don't know, uh, killer eyeballs of uh, Putin. He's like, Ukraine and the people, I am watching you. I want you. I will take you. And I realize that Russians probably don't have that type of an accent. 2,000 kids among Ukraine, 200,000 kids among Ukrainians taken to Russia. Okay. Now, keep in mind, guys, that whenever we're going through all of these propaganda lies, you know, there's got to be a reason for it, right? Like they want to drop a missile on a train station in Kamatorsk, Ukraine, and it has Russian words on it. So the story then is that Russia bombed the, uh, uh, bombed the uh, train station, right? Um, um, let's see, what, what else is it? Oh, um, Putin is weak and uh, Russia is losing, so the story is, uh, 
Ukraine is winning, and so we can keep on sending uh, military equipment there. Like, what what is the reason behind their spin? Okay, so what do you think the reason is behind? 200,000 kids and hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians being forced into Russia from Ukraine. Like, the the Russian armed forces went over there and at tank gunpoint forced them across the border and into Russia. Why do you think there's this spin? Aside from the children, people think about the children. It's Zelensky's last resource, even though he bombed, like, I don't know, a hospital where babies are, an infant, an infant. Not an infirmary. I was going to say an infantry, but that's something totally different, right? Anyways, what could be the reason? Let's see what this article says about that. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said Wednesday that 200,000 children are among the Ukrainians who have been forcefully taken to Russia and dispersed across the vast country. They include children from orphanages, children taken with their, uh, taken with their parents and those separated from their families. Zelensky says, the purpose of this criminal policy is not just to steal people, but to make those who are deported forget about Ukraine and unable to return. Zelensky said this on International Children's Day. So not only, not only does uh, the West and the Democrats and Beto, Beta O'Rourke, exploit children, apparently so does Zelensky. They must be cut from the same cloth. That could be a guess, but International Children's Day, let's exploit the children. It's not like they're not exploited enough. Zelensky said Ukraine would punish those responsible, but first it would show Russia on the battlefield with the assist of long-range missiles from the United States of America that Ukraine cannot be conquered and that our people will not surrender, and our children will not become the property of the occupiers. And they're not even occupying Russia, last I recall. They are, uh, Russian forces are leaving the cities that have been demilitarized. Zelensky said 243 children have been killed so far, no thanks to your um, um, Ukrainian armed forces with the Nazis, using children and innocent people as uh, hostages and human shields. Zelensky also said 446 children have been wounded, same reason as above, and that 139 are missing. They might be in the tunnels down below. Adding that it could be more as his government does not have a full picture of the situation in areas occupied by Russian troops. He then described the deaths of 11 children, calling them by their first names and saying how they were killed. Thank God we don't have that here, guys. I would not read it either way. Um, so uh, this article gives us some more of their propaganda about what's going on um, with Ukraine and Russia. Uh, it says in Lviv, and I believe this is where all of the commanders are hiding out. And actually, I also heard Lviv is where their last remaining propaganda, um, um, psychological operations, military unit is located. Um, a regional governor in western Ukraine said Russian airstrikes on transport infrastructure wounded two people on Wednesday, which means the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian army did it. Uh, Lviv regional uh, governor um, uh, Maxim Koitsetsky did not name the target of the Russian strike near the city of Lviv. 
um, Anton Garashenko, an advisor to the country's interior minister, said the Russians hit the Beskidi railway tunnel in the Carpathian Mountains in an apparent effort to cut a key railway link and disrupt shipments of weapons and fuels. That sounds legit because uh, Russia said they were going to do that. They said that they would destroy um, transportation routes for uh, international weapons to come into uh, Ukraine. Uh, the Lviv region has uh, served as a key conduit for supplies of Western weapons and supply and other supplies. So yes, Lviv has got to be the place where all the commanders are hiding out. The ones that are sending their soldiers to die while they are safe and sound. Okay, uh, let's get back to the children, people. We can, we can suss through all those lies and propaganda later. Um, what's this one? Oh, here's another one. Ukraine claims over 1.3 million civilians have been deported to Russian territory. Again, think about all of these Ukrainians going to Russia. And if, in fact, Ukrainians are going to Russia as we know they are, why? And is this possibly the reason why this propaganda is being uh, spread across the world, right? Uh, it says here, over 1.3 million Ukrainians have been forcibly displaced to Russia as the deportation of civilians to the enemy territories continues. You, as if though, what, they're going to be holding these Ukrainians hostage? Is that what they're trying to say? Ukrainian obudsman uh, Lloyd Mila Denisova told FA on Tuesday. Um, out of the 1.3 million civilians, uh, 240,000 are children. The ombudsman claims that the Kremlin had already planned to deport Ukrainian civilians to its territory before invading Ukraine on February 24th. Um, let's see here. Uh, Denisova said she received the information from Russian volunteers who oppose President Vladimir Putin's war and are risking their lives by collabor collaborating with Ukraine. She added that civilians are being taken to remote places in Russia. A group of 300 people from Maripol, 122 of which were children, were forced onto a train by the Russian border police and taken to Vrangel, uh, which is 1,500 kilometers from Maripol in eastern Russia, where they are living in very precarious conditions. Doubtful that statement is true about the conditions. Uh, Denisova's team are working around the clock to gather information on alleged war crimes committed by Russian forces, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Denisova said she believed it was possible to bring the perpetrators of war crimes before international courts. Blah, 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 blah. These propagandist liars go on to say. Um, so I think that the reason why they are spitting this propaganda now, ladies and gentlemen, is because uh, we may not be aware of it, but uh, Putin actually signed some sort of decree that expedites Russian citizenship for Ukrainians. So Ukrainians in these areas can become a Russian citizen a whole lot more fast than they used to be able to. And, uh, <coughs> well, I guess you need a cover story for 1.3 million Ukrainians deciding to go and become part of Russia, right? Are these people from the Donbass region? Are these people from other parts of Ukraine? I'm sure it's scattered throughout, right? But they ain't coming back, and um, I guess that's why Zelensky said that um, uh, Putin is trying to cause them to forget about the motherland of Ukraine and hide them somewhere in the nether regions of Russia in, you know, the forest. Putin signs decree to simplify Russian citizenship method for orphaned Ukrainian children, but that's not all. 
Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin has signed a decree simplifying the procedure for Ukrainian orphans or children left without parental care with Russian citizenship, especially in its occupied territories, according to a document published by news agency RIA Novosti. The decree, as per the uh, Ukrainsky Pravda report, stated that orphans and children who are left without parental care, people without legal capacity who are Ukrainian citizens, can obtain Russia's citizenship through a fairly simplified procedure. Moreover, the guardians or organizations will be able to request Russian citizenship for children who are in the temporarily occupied Ukrainian territories, such as Donetsk, Luhansk, uh, Zaporozhia, and Kherson Oblasts. The uh, decree signed by the Kremlin leader even determines who can apply to be a Russian citizen. Moreover, the decree allows a number of people to apply for Russian citizenship. According to Ukrainsky Pravda, guardian or custodian of the child, if they are citizens of the Russian Federation, Ukraine or residents of the occupied areas of Donetsk and Luhansk Oblasts, However, the exception reportedly remains when the child has been placed in the organization temporarily, when the parents or adoptive parents or guardians are unable to perform their role for some time. Even the head of the Organization for Orphans and Children Left Without Parents, located in the territory of Kadler, temporarily occupied areas of the Donetsk and Luhansk regions, or Zaporizhia, or Kherson Oblasts, can apply to become Russia's citizens if the child has been placed in the care of such an entity. Uh, Putin signed a decree simplifying the procedures for inhabitants. It is pertinent to note that Putin had previously signed a decree simplifying the procedure for obtaining Russian citizenship for inhabitants of the temporarily occupied territories of Ukraine, Kherson, and Zaporizhia oblasts. Amid the ongoing war in Ukraine, the Kremlin leader has signed a number of decrees, including an executive order establishing a temporary process for fulfilling obligations to certain copyright holders in rubles. Okay, so there you go, guys. Like, these people can become Russians, they can leave Ukraine, and I would just say, point blank, simply put, it's because they are trying to get the heck out of Ukraine with this crazed Ukrainian armed force with Nazis killing and shelling and bombing and destroying everything in its sight, you know? And furthermore, what does this say about Putin, right? Humanitarian corridors, making it easier for people to get into Russia, right? Does it sound like this man wants to kill humanity? Does it sound like he's an enemy of humanity? Think about all of the children whom are being saved in the process from what happens at war. What happens at war? War is the number one way to procure children for human trafficking, okay? These children will not have to see that same fate as many other children have, when you think about all of these regime change type or these other types of war. But in this case, the globalist henchmen that do these types of activities as human trafficking would be capitalizing off of Putin's um, military operation to um, neutralize weapons and Nazis in Ukraine, if you think about it. But I mean, let's just be honest again, when we're talking about why people want to leave Ukraine, why they want to go to Russia, 
why Zelensky needs to cry about uh, 1.3 million people being kidnapped and taken to Russia sounds a little bit like a very type of complicated uh, exercise for any standing army. I mean, 1.3 million people versus like what? A hundred and something thousand Russian troops. Who do you think is going to win there? Even if, you know, Russia has the tanks and the guns. I mean, it's 1.3 million people. I mean, that's no easy task right? That's no easy task. Let's face it. People are leaving Ukraine because Ukraine is destroying its own cities. I mean, we can take a look at some of this, uh, some of these photos, guys. I mean, this is the destruction brought to Ukrainian cities by their own soldiers, by their own army, at the will of Nazi commanders, okay? At the will of the globalists, you know, it is not just, it is not even, it is not even the Russians. The Russians have been using precision in order to strike against the Nazis, okay? We have first-hand eyewitness accounts from Ukrainian people or from refugees who managed to escape the destruction at the hands of their own government who have shared these stories, who have shared these crimes against their own people by their own government. And yet, we're forced to believe that 1.3 million Ukrainians were kidnapped by Putin and the Russian forces. It's the Ukrainian armed forces. It's the Ukrainian army. They're the ones who are doing this in a temper tantrum of, if I can't have it, no one will. And also recognizing uh, the humanity left within a leader like Putin, who's treating their POWs a whole lot better than Ukraine is treating the prisoners that are Russian. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, hey, Justice Song. Justice Song says uh, the, dis the destruction of Ukraine courtesy and part of the United States of America. Let's go, Brandon, right? <laughs> Insane, guys. Insane. Um, let's see here. Uh, Awakened Mom, that's because Zelensky had those children slated for trafficking. No doubt, right? He's sending out a signal. Sorry, guys. We're going to be short on children. At least uh, 200,000 of them are going to Russia to be safe and sound, Right. Here are, the, here are the headlines and the articles that you do not get from the West, okay? You do not get these from the West. Ukrainian forces target several cities, large numbers of children killed, right? And yet the United Nations will have you believe that they're going to take um, um, Russia, Russian soldiers, and Putin before an international court of crimes and have them tried for war crimes and, and crimes against humanity? Yeah. Uh, it says here, uh, yesterday, Russian President Vladimir Putin visited the soldiers who were wounded during the special military operation in Ukraine in the military hospital in Moscow. Putin promised that soldiers who risked their lives during the special operation would be rewarded. Uh, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky wants to talk directly to Putin without intermediaries. Yeah, right. Okay. Russian forces enter. Okay. Those are like news points. Okay. 
Ukraine. Attack on more than 40 cities in Donbass, five victims. At least five civilians were killed and 12 wounded in an attack by Russian forces on more than 40 cities in Donbass, the Ukrainian army claims. The occupiers shelled more than 40 cities in the Donetsk and Luhansk regions and destroyed or damaged 47 civilian buildings, including 38 houses and one school. Five civilians were killed in the shelling and 12 were wounded, the Ukrainian armed forces said on Facebook. The statement reads that 10 attacks were repulsed and that four tanks and four drones were destroyed. It is also claimed that 62 enemy soldiers were killed. A large number of children, question mark. Russia has made a decision. Two corridors are being um, opened. Ministry of Defense of Russia announced that it is opening two maritime humanitarian corridors for the exit of foreign ships from the ports of the... I feel like we're missing something here. What am I missing? What am I missing? Let me pop this out of uh, immers Im immersive real quick. I might have swap. I might have swapped my articles again. Oh, okay. I apologize. This is a Western article. No wonder I was like, huh? <laughs> uh, pardon me, guys. This is a Western-backed article. That's why it read like a Western-backed article. Okay. I am not confused anymore. I mean, as if though those photos weren't proof enough, right? So yes, uh, the West is saying Russia's destroying the cities. Here is what we call a non-Western-backed article. Pardon me. We're almost done, guys. Oh, Lord. This was a lot of information. Okay, now it says here, since Sunday, May 29th, Ukrainian artillery has opened fire on exclusively civilian residential areas in the city of Donetsk and other cities in Donbass. The Ukrainian army has always engaged in terror bombing in order to terrorize the population and kill Russians since the beginning of the Ukrainian aggression in eastern Ukraine. In Donetsk, the western districts are regularly targeted by artillery and many civilians have died, unfortunately, including children. The center and east of the city have been hit, but mostly in 2014 and 2015, and less frequently between 2016 and 2017. This situation had not been seen in the city since then, and the intensity and depth of the attacks had not been seen at this level since 2014. The firing started at around 6 p.m., then started again at around 8.15 p.m. until around 1 a.m. Then more shells were fired during the night. The death toll was already 4 and 20 injured, but on Monday morning the shelling resumed, notably with 155mm heavy artillery, but also with 300mm smirch missiles. One of the missiles hit the badly damaged school number 22 in the center of the city, killing three more people. The United States, uh, the USA, Canada, and Australia are as much at fault as Ukraine. Uh, the writer of the article says, I was present at an impact and saw the nervousness of the military police inspectors and experts. The impact was strange. Few shrapnel holes, a strong blast, and a different texture of the earth in the shell hole. The answer came quickly. The shots were fired by American 155 caliber M77 777 howitzers supplied by the USA, Canada, and Australia. They have a greater range than the weapons then possessed by Ukraine, which allowed the Ukrainians to open fire from much farther away. This gun fires at a distance of more than 40 kilometers and up to a maximum range of 57 kilometers. Under these conditions, the M777 
M777 can remain relatively unobtrusive and out of sight of drones or Russian Air Force reconnaissance. It is an excellent howitzer which entered service in 2005 and can be equipped with modern and highly effective sighting systems. A total of 18 guns have been delivered by these three countries with sighting systems, but the U.S. has announced the delivery of 108 artillery, 108 artillery pieces, the next ones without sighting systems in April and May of 2022. These weapons, which should have been used to defend Ukraine, were immediately used to kill civilians and these terror bombings in the greatest American tradition of bombing. Everyone remembers the hallucinatory bombings of Nazi Germany, especially of cities, to raise to the ground, but especially to kill the German population. The expected effect, an example, turning public opinion against the Nazis was the opposite. This is also the case in the Donbass and in Ukraine. Civilian casualties again and again, the Ukrainian army continues its work of death. During the day of 30 May, the Ukrainians fired no less than 150 shells and rockets, not to mention smirch missiles. A total of 13 localities were hit, with five civilians killed and 18 wounded, 19 buildings damaged or destroyed, nine of which were administrative buildings, schools, etc., among those killed, there were four women. Among the injured, a three-year-old child and uh, was injured, three men, and 14 women. Elsewhere in the Republic, other victims were counted during the days of 29 and 30 May. The total number of buildings destroyed or affected by the Ukrainian bombing is staggering and has been since 17th of February. These included 3,777 homes, 792 buildings, and a civilian uh, buildings and civilian infrastructure, including 50 medical facilities, 137 educational facilities, and the destruction of 437 vehicles. The DPR, that's the uh, People's Republic of Donetsk, their authorities conducted more than 3,500 investigations and recorded during this critical period the death of 130 civilians, including four children, and the injury of 608 other inhabitants, including 48 children. It is more than likely that all these shootings are calculated by officers and non-commissioned officers who are clearly dishonoring themselves as soldiers by knowingly and consciously targeting civilians. It is true that terror bombing was invented and used by the Anglo-Saxons, namely Nazi Germany, Great Britain, and the United States of America. The latter did not hesitate to send the only atomic bombs ever dropped on two cities that were not military targets, Nagasaki and Hiroshima in Japan. This mentality, including civilians in the targets, also comes from the invention of industrial warfare, which from then on killed many more civilians than soldiers. Revenge fire to destroy and kill on the slope of defeat. It is clear that in the difficulty in which the Ukrainian army finds itself in the Donbass, with very heavy losses, particularly in the north, in the regions of Krasny Lehman, Severodonetsk, and Lysyshansk, not to mention the Russian bridgehead of Papasanaya, but also in the center of the region of Golovka, Advitka, and Marinka, it is now on an increasingly inclined slope leading to its certain defeat. These bombings show above all the demoralization of this army.
and the abject violence in which Ukraine is throwing itself, having only bile and vengeance to offer as war tactics. As I write, a shell has just fallen in the east of Donetsk, not far from my home, which will certainly be followed by others during the night. My neighborhood is quite peaceful. There are, again, no military targets. In Europe, there are only reports of violence by Ukrainian refugees attacking local residents, being belligerent and angry. More than eight years of war propaganda, not to mention Nazi ideology, will have led this people to absurd drifts, leading to dead ends. The shooting of civilians was undoubtedly decided at the highest level by the commander-in-chief and with the approval of President Volodymyr Zelensky. It is more than likely that the use of these weapons to kill civilians was also endorsed by the supplier, namely the financier of the Maidan, the United States of America. These killings will also be used by Western and Ukrainian propaganda to invent Russian bombings on their own cities and civilians or ethnic Russians in Ukraine. Finally, for the Ukrainian soldier, it will only be a matter of revenge and before succumbing to taking as many people as possible with them. In Nazi Germany, during the twilight of the gods, thousands of Germans were sacrificed in this way, in a war lost in advance and in pure losses. A French journalist sent to his death without any military equipment or valid protection. Meanwhile, in Russian prisons, the captured Ukrainian soldiers all tell the same story. They didn't know. They were forced. They were drivers, cooks, nurses in quartermaster's offices or the regiment's administrative services. Even agents of the SBU political police have been seen making such statements. And many videos show soldiers with tears in their eyes asking to go home and swearing they had always been close to their Russian blood brothers. In the West and in the Ukrainian propaganda offices, brilliant victories are piled up in which thousands of Russians have perished with hundreds of tanks in flames and the air force destroyed. Elsewhere, there's talk of empty stocks, no more ammunition, no more missiles, no more tanks in reserve. These crazy stories are shown on the French 8 o'clock news and even war reporters like BFM TV are sent in to be killed without any essential military equipment. Frédéric Leclerc Imhoff died today on the Ukrainian side wearing a bulletproof jacket, which politicians usually wear under their suits. His lower abdomen was not protected, nor was his neck. He was not wearing a helmet on his head and there was no press inscription on his torso or back. This 32-year-old man, criminally sent by his editors to his death, without any equipment and without military footwear, he was wearing hiking boots, was sent to the scrap heap by irresponsible people. It seems that he had not even one experience of the genre and of war zones. Why did he die? Like those in the Donbass for the American Maidan, for the imperialist delusions of a country that sows death and destruction everywhere it goes. If France had General de Gaulle at its head, he would never have accepted that France fall under the control of an ally who is slowly and surely dragging the former down. At Donbass Insider, we express our sorrow and pain to his family, which we share with them. He joins the very long cohort of tens of thousands of victims 
of this nightmarish revolution called in Ukraine by the small name of Revolution of Dignity. And uh, that was Laurent Brayard for the Donbass Insider. What an emotional and informational piece, guys. Oh, Lord. Um, we have uh, this story spreading around the legacy media press lying about Russia blowing up a chemical plant. Now, it should be noted that a week or more prior to this, um, Russian forces, uh, people who are just seeking the truth, were reporting that um, Ukraine was planning to strike a chemical plant and blame it on Russia. Uh, it's the same case in every scenario almost with these damn Nazis, right? These globalist forces. Uh, this is the headline. I'm not going to get into the story. I'm just going to read the headline. Russian airstrike targeted a chemical plant in eastern Ukraine on Tuesday, causing a dangerous cloud of toxic gas to rise into the air. That is what the West says. Okay. Story here says Ukrainian militants blew up a tank with chemicals in Severodonetsk during the retreat. So they were retreating from defeat. And they blew it up because if you ain't going to have it, no one is. Okay. And I, I probably don't need to get into it, but just so you guys and other people um, um, who are new to this broadcast can see uh, what it says. Soldiers of the Ukrainian armed forces retreating under the onslaught of Russian troops blew up a tank of nitric acid in Severodonetsk. Uh, Colonel General Mikhail Mizinsky. Miskintsev, head of the National Center for Defense Control of the Russian Federation, spoke about this. And, uh, well, I think that's all it has to say anyway. So good. All right. Time is running short, guys. Oh, we still actually we still have some time. We actually still do have some time. Um, let's see here. So, again, uh, these uh, Ukrainian militants, these Nazi soldiers, right? Oh, there they are. There they are, guys. That is them. Um, the Nazi battalions, which should be understood, but by most are not, which should be remembered, but specifically by the left, they seem to have like some type of, I don't know, um, ability to choose and pick what memories they want. They have selective memory, the left. And I say because the left, the progressives, the liberals... They are the ones who ratted out the Azov Battalion. They are the ones who told the world in all of their publications and in all of their documentaries that Ukraine has um, um, Nazis because they are against nationalism and ultra-nationalists. And, you know, but now they seem to have forgotten that these Nazis are in Ukraine at all. Like, totally gone. Hey, Skeeter Burke, what's up? Hey, Pill by the Rabbit, good to see ya. Whose show ended that you're finding your way my way? Ah, ha, 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 ha. Wait, ah, Right, cue the canned laughter so my fake laughs sound genuine. Thank you for the cookie, Ohio Kimmy. Much appreciated. Oh, my bad. Skeeter Burke is coming in from the airport. She was tuned into the My Son is Flying In from the Airport show. Please forgive me. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Uh, I have more pictures of these Nazis in Ukrainian uh, army. Uh, here's some more. I think that's what this little segment is about, guys. A realization that your Nazis are officially a part of the Ukrainian armed forces, guys. There's photos of them. It's been documented. It's been written about. You know, Vice Magazine was one of the biggest exporters of uh, Nazis in Ukraine ever. But 
I guess they seem to have forgotten about their own work as well, right? Now, this photo is actually really interesting because it shows, again, the flag of Ukraine with the Azov Battalion shield and also a Nazi flag with a swastika on it. But what other flag is in this picture that they are just donning with pride, right? We stand behind these flags because these flags stand behind us, the Nazi horde of the Ukrainian armed forces. Yeah, that is the flag of NATO. That should say everything to everyone about anything regarding NATO, Nazism, Ukraine, and the United States of America. <laughs> what are you talking about, Skeeter Burke? Anyways, uh, so yeah, Ukrainian, uh, you, you, the Nazis, so, and everyone's done figured it out. And here you go, almost a hundred days into this special military operation by Russia into Ukraine. The propaganda outlets of Ukraine have figured out, maybe, just maybe, we should, uh, drop the Nazi insignias and uh, regalia because um, it, it's, it's uh, do you think they're coming under some kind of pressure? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, everyone's flying their Ukraine flag. So I wonder, are they coming under pressure or are they just, you know, trying to do like a brand, rebranding themselves, right? I mean, it's too late, ladies and gentlemen. It is far too late. Oh, Skeeterberg says, sorry, but Bernie has a better cackle. <laughs> Cue the canned laughter. Make it sound genuine. Okay, um, let's see here. Ukraine's Azov Battalion swaps neo-Nazi insignia. The infamous Azov Nationalist Regiment, which is being revived by Ukraine after it surrendered to Russian forces in Maripol, has removed the Nazi-linked Wolf's, Wolf's Angle symbol from its insignia. This is reported by the Times, of all places. According to the British paper, the unit's new recruits in the city of Kharkov were sporting patches with a golden trident, which is Ukraine's national emblem, thereby replacing the wolf's angle, or the wolf's hook, which had been used by the Azov Battalion since its formation eight years ago. However, the commander of the new unit, Maxime Zorin, told the paper that it was formed on the same principles and ideolog ideological basis as the legendary Azov Regiment. The Wolf's Angle is a historic heraldic symbol that was chosen by the Nazis during World War II and appeared on the insignia of several SS divisions. The Times said that the presence of the Wolf's Angle on the uniforms of the Azov fighters had helped perpetuate Russian propaganda about Ukraine being in the grip of far-right nationalism. Now, how on earth are you going to wrap your head around that lie? Well, I, we know you're not Nazis, but, but since you use, you know, um, um, historic Nazi symbolature, I just made up a word, it just helped Russia spread this false lie about uh, Ukraine being in the grip of Nazis. Get, give me a break. Give me two breaks. Someone give me a Kit Kat bar. I cannot take it anymore, okay? Anyways, it says, 
However, before the launch of the Russian military operation in Ukraine, the use of Nazi symbolism by the unit had been raising concerns in the Western media, including the outlets such as Time magazine and the New York Times. The Azov Battalion was assembled in 2014 as a volunteer unit that was mainly comprised of far-right activists willing to fight against the self-proclaimed republics in the Donbass region. Several months later, it was officially incorporated into Ukraine's National Guard by order of then-President Petro Poroshenko. When the Russian offensive started, the Azov Battalion, which had received Western training, was considered one of the most capable formations under Kiev's command. The nationalist fighters were tasked with protecting Maripol, a strategic port on the Sea of Azov, but failed to fulfill their goal. Many of them were killed, while the rest, including the commanders, surrendered to Russian forces earlier in May after being holed up at the Azovstal steel plant for weeks. During the siege, Moscow blamed the Azov unit for allegedly keeping civilians hostage in the facility and using them as human shields. Footage of the surrounding combatants coming out of the plant showed many of them sporting tattoos of swastikas and other far-right symbols. Nazi-related items and literature have also been discovered inside the steel plant and at Azov bases in the Donbass that have been captured by Russia. Russia's investigative committee has launched a criminal case against the unit's fighters over abductions, torture, and the use of prohibited means and methods of warfare, among other things. The Russian High Court is scheduled to rule on the lawsuit calling to designate the Azov Battalion a terrorist organization and outlaw it in late June. The denazification of Ukraine has been highlighted as one of the goals of Moscow's military operation in Ukraine. Russia attacked the neighboring country in late February following Kiev's failure to implement the terms of the Minsk agreements, first signed in 2014, and Moscow's eventual recognition of the Donbass republics of Donetsk and Luhansk. The German and French brokered Minsk protocol was designed to give the breakaway regions special status within the Ukrainian state. Uh, the Kremlin has since demanded that Ukraine officially declare itself a neutral country that will never join the U.S.-led NATO military bloc. Kiev insists the Russian offensive was completely unprovoked and has denied claims it was planning to retake the two republics by force or that they've committed genocide and killed thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of innocent Donetskians and Luhanskians in that time. So our last story to wrap up the night, guys, is just a quick reminder about how the United States supports... Now, it says Nazis, neo-Nazis here, but, I mean, let's face it, guys. There's nothing neo about the Nazis in Ukraine. The Nazis have been there since the 1940s. The Nazis, the Ukrainian Nazis, assisted in the extermination of the Jewish people and other people in Ukraine in the 1940s. They have been there this whole time. There is nothing neo about these Nazis. But it seems that many Americans do not know or do not care to know that we are supporting Nazis in Ukraine. Like, I asked the question, when will it be that these people who are flying Ukrainian flags and putting it all over their social media and painting their faces, you know, will realize that they have been supporting death, genocide and Nazism this entire time? Will they ever know? I pray that God give them the insight and open up their minds to this 
bit of information. Now, I don't care about how they feel about learning this information and what that makes them feel like, right? I don't care what it makes them feel like, right? I don't care if it makes them feel like they are just a piece of human excrement. I just want them to know. I just want them to know, honestly. Anyhow, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's refresh our memories, guys. And for those of you who don't know how this went about, how this became about, really... Oh, this, this article is definitely, definitely a refresher and an eye-opener, okay? Because not all of us know this information. So, this is a history of the United States' support of Nazis in Ukraine. Pentagon officials... Conf- oh, and by the way, this article was written in 2015, okay? This article was written in 2015, Okay. Uh, Pentagon officials confirmed last week that U.S. troops will deploy to Ukraine in the spring to help build Ukrainian National Guard. In addition to sending U.S. troops, Washington has already sent heavy military equipment and has earmarked $19 million for Ukrainian forces. In its announcement, the Pentagon failed to mention that the Ukrainian National Guard includes the Azov Battalion a pronounced neo-Nazi group that has reportedly been involved in the record violent, recent violence in Ukraine. The emblem of the Azov Battalion, a paramilitary volunteer unit of the Ukrainian National Guard, is the Wolf's Angle. Here's the history of Azov. The Azov Battalion was formed in May 2014 as an all-volunteer paramilitary unit in response to the government's struggle against separatists in the country's east. Funding for Azov comes from Ukrainian oligarch Ihor Kolomoisky, a man who offered a bounty of $10,000 for each captured Russian saboteur, as reported by Newsweek. Now, you guys might remember we've talked about Ihor Kolomoisky before, and not only did Ihor Kolomoisky fund the Azov Battalion, he is also the primary sugar daddy of one President Volodymyr Zelensky. And that is, that is with receipts, and that is tracked and saucy information. According to the BBC, Azov's aims are stated in one of their online publications. To prepare Ukraine for further expansion and to struggle for the liberation of the entire white race. Hey, Nick Fuentes, are you a member of the Azov Battalion too? From the domination of the internationalist speculative capital and to punish several uh, severely sexual perversions and any interracial contacts that lead to the extinction of the white man. Okay, so I'm sure we can all infer what that means, right? (laughs) No homosexuality and no interrace sexual relations. Run by the Extremist Patriot of Ukraine organization, which considers Jews and other minorities subhuman and calls for a white Christian crusade against them. It sounds like this is a Nick Fuentes outfit. It sports three Nazi symbols on its insignia, a modified wolf's hook, a black sun, and the title Black Cores, which was used by the Waffen-SS, stated the BBC. In October of 2014, Azov Battalion servicemen took part in a march organized by Right Sector to commemorate the anniversary of the Ukrainian insurgent army, who famously undertook the ethnically ethnically cleanse ethnically cleanse Western Ukraine of Poles in 1943 and 1944. 
And members of the Azov Battalion were shown on German TV wearing uniforms decorated with the Nazi swastika and SS symbols. Vadim Troyan, an Azov deputy commander, was appointed as police chief of Kiev Oblast region. Oh, but there's no Nazis in the government, right? If they are appointing people like this to positions of such importance and power, it is a very dangerous signal to the Jewish community of Ukraine, said Ephraim Zurov, head of the Simon Weissenhall Center's Jerusalem office. This is a very strange way of convincing the justifiably concerned Jewish world that there is no intention to encourage fascist sympathies or neo-Nazi activities. And I might add, right sector, guys, Right Sector is a political party. Okay, now, when Victoria Newland and former ambassador to Ukraine, Payev, Jeffrey Payev, uh, were assisting in the regime change uh, in Ukraine, Right Sector, that was to be the wingman of their installed puppet. Okay, named, named wingman. In other words, Whomever they placed into, and it was, who was it again? Yipslinger or Yipsingel, or I can't I remember his name. Um, but that man was to, um, was to, um, uh, to, to seek, um, uh, to seek, con- to have conference with the leader of the right sector. Like that, okay. But yet there's no Ukrainian, uh, there's no Nazis in their government, right? That's what everyone says. Uh, who are the fighters of Azov? So to become an Azov fighter, you have to be a proper white man. One Azov battalion fighter told Sky News, Ross Kemp. Though not all Azov fighters admit to being neo-Nazis, a number of their members are openly anti-Semites or white supremacists. Personally, I'm a Nazi, said one member, Phantom, a 23-year-old former lawyer. I don't hate any other nationalities, but I believe each nation should have its own country. After the First World War, Germany was a total mess and Hitler rebuilt it. He built houses and roads, built in telephone lines, and created jobs. It must have been like the Great New Deal, right? I respect that. Phantom also claimed that homosexuality is a mental illness, and the scale of the Holocaust is a big question, wrote Tom Parfit in The Telegraph. One Azov member claimed not to be a Nazi, but waxed lyrical about Adolf Hitler as a military leader and believes the Holocaust never happened, according to Sean Walker of The Guardian. Many in the Azov battalion with whom the newspaper spoke shared this view. The article continues. Um, Among the principals of the battalion are a member of the Rada, Ukraine's parliament. Did you hear that, guys? Did you hear that? For everyone that says that there are no Nazis in the parliament or the government of Ukraine, and thus this denazification is not necessary. Keep in mind, this is an article from 2015, well before Putin ever decided to put a plan together to denazify Ukraine. Among the principals of the battalion are a member of the Rada, Ukraine's parliament. That man's name is Ole Lyashko. Ole, right? Ole, Ole. Um, Ole Ryashko. Uh, we're, we're right here, guys. Ole, oh, sorry, Lyashko, yeah. Leader of the Nationalist Party. Politician in the government. 
also someone that Newland and Pioff wanted their man to be quarterbacked with. Um, and, it is, and an ultra-nationalist, oh, here's the other one, ultra-nationalist Bratsvo party leader Dimitri, uh, Dimitro um, Korchinsky, suspected of organizing provocateurs to use slingshots to shoot heavy screws at journalists, police, and protesters in 2013. The United States-backed Ukrainian government is unapologetic. The Ukrainian government has not been shy about putting militias on the front lines, including those who are openly neo-Nazi. In December, Ukraine's president, uh, Ukraine's president Pietro Porchenko, presented a Ukrainian passport to someone who, according to human rights activists, is a Belarusian neo-Nazi and is a founding member of the neo-Nazi National Socialist Society, whose main goal is to prepare for a race war. Ukraine's government is unrepentant about using the neo-Nazis, the Telegraph's Partif wrote, or Parfit wrote. Anton Garashenko, an advisor to Arsen Avakov, uh, the interior minister who was put on Interpol's wanted list in 2012, did not refute this point when he said, a person who takes a weapon in his hands and goes to defend his motherland is a hero, and his political views are his own affair. Kind of like when Zelensky was like, he said, well, they can't help what they are, when Fox News asked him if they were Nazis. Mm -hmm. In addition to right sector's leader, Dmitry Yarosh, who won a seat in Ukraine's parliament, senior members of the Azov Battalion have been named to influential positions in the Poroshenko government. Yes, there are Nazis in the government of Ukraine. Azov's founder, Andriy Beletsky, who also heads two neo-Nazi political groups, was elected to serve in Ukraine's parliament while the battalion itself has been integrated into the country's National Guard, according to Sky News' Kemp. Uh, Biletsky, who was given an Order for Courage awarded by Poroshenko, recently wrote, The historic mission of our nation in this critical moment is to lead the white races of the world in a final crusade for the, their survival. A crusade against the Semite-led subhumans. The task of the present generations is to create a third empire. The United States is not holding back. In the context of the U.S. opposing a U.N. resolution designed to combat glorification of Nazism, the only other countries to vote against the resolution were Canada and Ukraine, an impression is created that the U.S. will use any means necessary to achieve its goals in Eurasia. Ukraine a new and important space on the Eurasian chessboard is a geolitical pivot because its very existence as an independent country helps to transform Russia. Without Ukraine, Russia ceases to be a Eurasian empire, wrote former U.S. National Security, Secu Security Advisor, Zbigniew Brzezinski, in his 1997 book, The Grand Chessboard. However, if Moscow regains control over Ukraine, with its 52 million people and major resources, as well as access to the Black Sea, Russia automatically re again regains the wherewithal to become a powerful imperial state spanning Europe and Asia, said Brzezinski, who, label who had been labeled the man behind Obama's foreign policy. The announcement of U.S. troops being sent to Ukraine comes as the U.S.-backed government in Ukraine reported that it is implementing a draft with the goal of adding up to 50,000 soldiers to fight the independence movement 
deceivingly labeled pro-Russian imperialists by Western media in Ukraine. The presence of foreign fighters in Ukraine is no secret, though claims that groups such as Blackwater are operating in support of Ukraine battalions have yet to be proven. And this is the conclusion. Ukrainian, Ukraine's army is not even an army. It is a foreign legion in, the case, in, the case, in this case, a foreign NATO legion, Russian President Vladimir Putin said this week. They have totally different goals connected to the geopolitical commitment, uh, con uh, connected to the, the geopolitical containment of Russia, which absolutely do not coincide with the national interests of the Ukrainian people. So again, we've got this concerted effort in the West to aid the junta's rep repression. Isn't it funny that they were calling Obama's administration a junta? Uh, to aid the junta's repression of the population in the East combined with this propaganda war, basically blaming everything on the phantom Russian invasion, for which no evidence has ever been produced, said foreign affairs expert Nebosia Malik. At least 5,100 people have been killed since the conflict began in April, according to the United Nations, and violence last week was the most intense since September ceasefire. American tanks and military uh, training will certainly inflame the situation, particularly given the positioning of U.S. and NATO forces in Poland and the Baltic states. According to the Associated Press, President Poroshenko held an emergency meeting of his military officials on Monday. The time has come to name their, the independent movement, sponsors. The help given to militia, militants, weapon, weapons deliveries, equipment, and the training of manpower. Is this not aiding terrorism? Poroshenko said in a recorded statement. Now that's in reference to Russia. They are calling again the independence movement pro-Russian separatists, pro-Russian instigators, okay? Never forget, Poroshenko was the West's man, okay? In light of U.S. support for and the Ukrainian government's embrace of anti-Semitic neo-Nazis, Poroshenko's question is quite ironic and should be redirected to himself and his American allies. And we've seen nothing but a reign of terror, since this special military operation began and the reign of terror is coming at the hands of the Ukrainian Nazis themselves. Now, that was that point that I'm, you know, this point about I'm glad I found this article, right? That's what I'm saying. Like these reports take on a life of their own by the time I get halfway through them. And the reason being is because we talked about this whole thing with Poroshenko being called the uh, being called the great um, leader who will defeat Russia and will put Putin in his place when all of this started, right? And remember, they kept trying to get Zelensky to fly out of Ukraine to save himself, and Zelensky refused. And I believe that's because Zelensky saw that what was going to happen was Zelensky was going to flee the country. And then Poroshenko was going to come back in and, oh, you would have had a really big war if they had gotten Poroshenko back in. They wanted him back in. All of the globalist rags in Europe were, were claiming him to be the, the great return of Poroshenko, one of the most corrupt leaders of Ukraine, in the back pocket of the globalists, you know, 
And and he was like saying, I'm going to take Putin to task. I'm going to, we're going to defeat him. So the very rhetoric coming off of Poroshenko only portends a much more violent and inclusive war, world war, if you want to call it that, had Zelensky not stayed in Ukraine. And that was just, that was just pride on the part of Zelensky, I believe. And he was probably like, you're not going to just use me as a fall man, right? You're not just going to use me and abuse me. I want my $5 billion per month, um, um, World Economic Forum, like all of that. It's just craziness, super ultra craziness, right? Oh, whoops. Look at that. I have one more story. <laughs> I need you guys to ponder over who this man is. This is the last story of the night, guys. And it actually deals with the future of the area and also actually should give everyone a clue who's not paying attention where Ukraine's priorities and loyalties lie. It might happen to be with Nazis and people who support Nazis like the globalists. All right, guys, thanks for hanging in there. I know this was an extremely information-packed and lengthy episode because of said information. But when we dig, we like to dig, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Sea Report. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Okay. Hey, Relanon, what's up? Thanks for the 117 gold pills. Awesome. Much appreciated. Okay. So who is this man, right? Who is this man? Okay. And what does he have to do with the future of the Ukraine-Russia region? More importantly, what does he have to do with Crimea? Okay. Because... Russia has assisted in the liberation of two sovereign nations from Ukraine. And Russia supposedly annexed Crimea when in fact they were in support of a referendum and did not want the people of Crimea to suffer the same fate as, I don't know, like uh, South Ossetia from Georgia, right? Did not want them to suffer the same fate. Do you think Ukraine would have gone into Crimea and they would have like killed all the people and destroyed the parliament and then blamed it on Russia because they didn't want to be part of Ukraine anymore? Like Ukraine is like that really, really, really vindictive, spiteful, vengeful, like ex who's like, oh yeah, you don't want to be with me no more. I'm going to destroy you. I mean, have you, uh, have you? Okay, okay. Roseanne Barr had every reason to, but if you guys ever saw She-Devil, <laughs> Ukraine would be She-Devil, okay? Um, so this is about the future, though, guys, because we already have uh, the godfather of the NWO, um, um, uh, Kissinger, telling the World Economic Forum and Zelensky, you need to let go of the Donbass, Okay. And he's probably telling Georgie while they're laying into bed together, while they're laying in bed together post-coital, we need to give Putin the Donbass, right? And Georgie's like, oh, Kissinger. No, just kidding. Georgie's over there smoking a cigarette. Anyways, sorry, guys. That was really nasty. I didn't mean to put that image in your head. Um, but here's, here's what they're saying in Ukraine now, Okay. Here's what they're saying in Ukraine now. This guy, his name is Igor Moyasuchek, right? Did I say it right? Igor Moyasuchek. He is a Ukrainian Nazi leader, right? And he is saying what their next plan is, is to depopulate Crimea. Okay. So this is more of an alert alert. This is more of a, what should we 
hope to expect at the conclusion of this military operation by Russia into Ukraine and the denazification, they're already making plans to reassert themselves on the people of Crimea, these Ukrainian Nazis are. Are they doing it for revenge? Are they doing it out of spite? Are they doing it because they're sore losers? Probably. Don't doubt it, because that's what it sounds like. Uh, it, sound, it sounds like these, that's how these uh, Nazis work. Uh, final article for the night concerning the future of Ukraine, Crimea, and Russia. If you do not know this sordid character, uh, of course, we're talking about this Igor Moisichuk, you should know that the man is one of the leaders of the neo-Nazi party Pravi Sektor, a party that is very influential in military circles and very active in repression and assassinations. Pravi Sektor units were at work on the Donbass front, in Mariupol in particular, but also in all the cities of Ukraine to repress and persecute ethnic Russians, who would have had the intention of resisting even through their culture or their language. Activists of this anti-Semitic and ultra-violent party participated not only in the Mayan uh, but or the Maidan, but also in the massacres in Odessa and then in Maripol on May 9th. And the Odessa massacre happened on May 2nd, 2014, not to mention, of course, the Donbass. In my continuing research to try to show that decidedly, yes, there are many neo-Nazi and ultra-nationalist extremists. Here is now a character who is a caricature in his own right, Igor Moyasachuk. From the nostalgic UPA massacres to the National Socialist Party of Ukraine, Moisechuk was born in 1972 in the Pol Pol Poltava region of central Ukraine. Unlike many ultra-nationalist leaders, he did not study, but did his military service in the Soviet army. It was after the army that he started militant activities, first as an author of articles in an oriented press, advocating the ideals of the great Ukraine, the white superior race, anti-Semitist, and ultranationalism. He joined the UNA-UNSO, 1994, one of the most violent neo-Nazi parties in Ukraine, which, also led, which was also led by Yuri Shukiev, Shukievich, the son of Roman, one of the heroes adulated by today's Ukraine. Uh, Shukievich had been one of the most active participants in the neo in the Nazi orchestrated Holocaust by bullets, 1941 to 1943, on the Eastern Front. He was one of the worst collaborators of Hitler's Germany, killed by his weapons, 1950, killed with his weapons in 1950. The UNA UNSO, which was founded in Lvov, 1990 provided fighters for the uh, Transnistrian War, a civilian war in Moldova, which saw the defeat of Moldovan and Romanian ultranationalists who wanted to enslave the ethnic Russians in this region of former uh, Bessarabia. It had also sent fighters to fight Russia in Chechnya, a war that was also lost. The party then campaigned for the rehabilitation of the UPA's Nazi collaborators, now done, and then sent fighters to Georgia in a new lost war, 2008. In the meantime, the party supported the candidacy of President uh, Yushchenko, 
whose wife is an American of Ukrainian origin and a CIA agent. Now, I got an entire another article about this woman, uh, the first wife of Ukraine or first woman of Ukraine, uh, President Yushchenko's wife being a CIA agent with long held Nazi ties. Good Lord. So much information. I'm telling you, I could have gone anywhere with this information. Uh, and that was before merging with Yorok's neo-Nazi party, the Pravi Sector, in 2014. Um, from criminal and terrorists to Maidan glory. However, Moisiechuk followed a different path, joining the National Socialist Party of Ukraine, uh, Svoboda, of neo-Nazi Oleg uh, Tianabuk. At that time, he integrated the paramilitary organization of this party, the Patriots of Ukraine, which was dissolved. Then refounded in two thousand. It was dissolved in two thousand four, refounded in two thousand five, and officially separated from Savoda in two thousand seven. This branch was indeed even more extremist than this party. That's saying something. During this time, he first worked as an advisor to Rada Deputy Yuri Timia, and had a run-in with the law. He was arrested once for fraud and sentenced to six months in prison, but was released thanks to interventions by crooked politicians. A second case soon broke out. Being accused of theft in 2006 and then for non-payment of alimony, cases which remained unsolved. After Yukonovich came to power in 2010, he was soon arrested as city councillor with two neo-Nazis, Sergei Bezya and Vladimir Svar, in possession of an explosive device in 2011. The investigation revealed that he was planning an attack on the Lenin Monument in Borisopol, not far from Kiev, as well as a terrorist attack in Kiev on Independence Day. He and his accomplice, Bevzva, um, were thrown into prison and remained in pretrial detention for a long time, 2011 to 2014. The famous Maidan revolution of dignity seriously disrupted his trial, sentenced to six years in prison, 10 January 2014. The ultra-nationalist tide swept away everything in its path. He was soon released under the delirious pressure of the armed Maidan militias and rehabilitated by, by a law voted by the Rada, declaring a general amnesty for all political prisoners. Soon, the Kiev Court of Appeal cleared the two men of all charges, and they were finally acquitted. Having become an emblematic figure in the Ukraine of the Maidan, he immediately issued threats against Crimea, indicating that a friendship train would come to clean up the peninsula. After the Odessa massacre, he declared that this was the first victory against the secular enemy. At the time, he was also deputy commander for public relations of the Azov Battalion, which was mainly made up of members of the Nazi party Pravi Sector, which he himself had joined on his release from prison. He distinguished himself in the Azov uniform by making police officers kneel down, weapons in hand, after they dared to stop his vehicle without... Dang, it looks like I just got, oh, there, sorry, it looked like I was bombed somewhere. Anyways, it's probably Twitch um, that's stopping me. Anyhow, um, finishing this up, guys, and we're done. Okay, hang on, hold on to yourselves, we're almost done. Um, Pardon me, allow me to continue. He distinguished himself in the Azov uniform by making police officers kneel down, weapons in hand, after they dared to stop his vehicle without a number plate and declared... Now you will remember forever who Azov is. He had no trouble getting elected to the Kiev City Council 
Oh, there's no Nazis in government in, 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 uh, in Ukraine, right? He had no trouble getting elected to the Kiev City Council. And even as a deputy in the Rada, again, that's the Ukrainian parliament, soon making a name for himself with incessant provocations. After Ukrainian sabotage in Crimea partially deprived it of electricity, he made the following statement. In addition to the food blockade of Crimea, Ukraine and Ukrainians must implement three main steps for the rapid liberation of Crimea from the Moscow invaders. Keeping in mind, the real story is the people of Crimea voted in a referendum to separate from Ukraine and to become part again of Russia. The will of the people. But this man believes it's Moscow invaders. He says, one, we have to continue the energy blockade of Crimea by all means possible. Two, we have to cut off the water supply to the occupied peninsula. And three, we have to stop the supply and transit of gas to temporarily occupied Crimea. If the Kiev regime does not take these steps to liberate the peninsula occupied by Moscow's invaders, Ukrainians have a duty to fight for the liberation of Crimea without any mandate or permission from the ruling authorities. Remember that Crimea must be Ukrainian or deserted. He then took up the cause of the Chechen Islamists, welcoming the opening of a second front against Russia following bomb attacks. A criminal case was opened against him for apology and support of terrorism. He interposed himself between the judiciary and 14 teenagers arrested for destroying a plaque commemorating Mar Marshal Zukov and by intimidation obtained their release. His boundless violence exploded when, together with another neo-Nazi MP, Andre Lozovoy, Lozovoy, he beat up political opponent Alexander Baraboshko and TV presenter Alexei Dernevi. Still unmolested, he threatened to kill MP and Dr. Larissa Kolbach, saying, I shot people like you and then beat a private citizen in his car in Odessa. This time, having gone really too far, the Kiev regime, embarrassed by his violent actions and crimes, lifted his parliamentary immunity and had him arrested after a stormy session punctuated by insults and fights in the Rada. In total and absolute impunity, the man was quickly exposed for several offenses. Corruption following bribes, racketeering, abuse of power, and the framework of his functions as a deputy, vandalism, and hooliganism. Death threats against civil, civil servants interfering in the judicial system and finally threats against magistrates. Like his neo-Nazi comrade Savetchenko of the IDAR battalion in prison in Russia, he went on hunger strike but had to withdraw his candidacy for the municipal elections in Kiev. Efforts to have him released failed, although the court provided concrete evidence for a bribe he had received, but his detention ended at the, at the end of his custody. Under pressure from Poroshenko's government, the Supreme Court of Ukraine annulled the vote of the Rada deputies and declared the prosecution of Mosyachuk illegal, demonstrating, if it were still necessary, that there was a great deal of collusion between Nazi circles and the Ukraine regime. He continued to make headlines with shameless scandals, first by deserting the Rada benches and soon photographed on holiday in Dubai at the expense of the princes. In trouble, it was proved that he had used a diplomatic passport, which he was not supposed to use, and once again fell through the cracks. He again assaulted former parliamentary assistant, a political opponent, Viktor Med Medvedchuk, in the Rada, 
He was again caught red-handed several times in the Rada, pushing the voting buttons of other deputies, always escaping punishment. He again attacked MP Sergei Kaplan in the per, uh, Pe Pechersk District Court in Kiev. He attacked Social Democratic Party activists in a Duncan state, tore up flags and trampled on them, then spat in the MP's face and threw... Sorry, and, uh, and threw himself at him. Continuing his circus during a television broadcast, he attacked the Georgian def uh, defector Saksvili, chasing him with a cane after a memorable spat. He escaped a bomb attack, which killed a police officer and a retired lieutenant colonel in the streets of Kiev. Without any restraint, he started a general brawl in the Ternopol Regional Council by assaulting a deputy of this council, which ended with chairs. The cup still not being full, he again got into a long brawl with the doctor of political science, Semchenko, live on the TV set of the News One channel. Having been separated and Semchenko having left the studio, he found him at the exit to attack him again with his famous cane. Oh my goodness, this guy. Can we just get to the part where Crimea is being threatened? <laughs> Oh my goodness, this is just too much. Okay, we're, we're almost done. Uh, let me see here. Uh, the end of the show and the return to darkness. Okay, at the end of, the, of his mandate, he was fined for violating the law on electoral campaigning. Okay, this guy has done a lot of dirty things. He's a very, very evil man. Okay, he's a very, very evil man. Uh, let's see here. Let's get to, let's get to the, uh, well, let's just, we'll just skip that paragraph because it's, uh, it's more of his rap sheet. Okay. <laughs> it says he has now disappeared completely from the scene, blending into the background and little is visible of him since the heyday of his antics very thinned out in the latest photos available. The question remains as to his true geolocation. He had an open conflict with Chechen president Kadrov and had threatened each other with death. With the sending of Chechen divisions to the field of the special operation in Russia, it is possible that he is on the run, becoming a simple refugee in a hotel in Poland or elsewhere. Still, men like him have been the cancer of Ukraine for many years, enjoying unheard of immunity even for a Ukrainian thug in his own country. We can honestly question why he has been such an almost unwavering supporter of the Ukrainian regime throughout this period. In 2014, the neo-Nazi party of which he is a member, Pravi Sector, registered around 350,000 members across Ukraine. In the West, and it was a phrase uttered by Laurent Fabius, Minister of Foreign Affairs in 2015, there are no Nazis in Ukraine, but a democratic regime and patriots. So, ladies and gentlemen... That was crazy, okay? Um, that was more emblematic of how deeply rooted Nazis are in Ukraine, or, or perhaps it's not, it's not a nation of Nazis. It is a proud and patriotic regime that just happened to be Nazis. As um, Zelensky said, they cannot help what they are. Um... But what future lies for Crimea? And uh, I don't know. That's, uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Oh, Lord. That is the conclusion of tonight's Sea Report, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you for those who hung in there tight 
and did not relent, did not give up, but knew that at some point we would reach the conclusion. It's been a fun ride, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all again for hanging out. That was a little bit of a dip into current events, into Russia, Ukraine, and then also some of the history of the Nazis in Ukraine and the support of the Nazis by the United States government in case anyone ever told you otherwise. Well, you can tell them now for sure. Tune in to episode 314 of uh, The Sea Report, and if you can make it to the end, you will be justly rewarded, or you will be summarily refuted. All right, guys, you have a wonderful evening on this night of all nights, January 2nd, Thursday, here in 2022. We'll be back tomorrow. But what will we be talking about? Because there are so many other things on this topic I wanted to get into, and yet there are so many other pressing matters that should be addressed. Well, I guess until then, as always, y'all, be safe and be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you soon. Have a great night.